Paul has what is known as irrational are we, confidence. Are we officially live? I wish you would have seen the way Paul set us up to go live, but we're officially live now on the podcast. This is episode number 42 or 41? Is it 42? 42. It's episode number 42. Jackie Robinson. We have Adam here with us. We have a friend of ours, Sonata Ajem, right here, uh, a top luxury Realtor, you've been doing real estate for how long now? The for? top. The top. Uh, in all of Boca, she's now. number one. And maybe in all the world. Yes. No, no, no. But here, <laughs> she's, 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 uh, here, here's all I can say to you. I went to, uh, I went to, uh, uh, what is that, Waldorf uh, Astoria? Yeah, of course. I'm having lunch over there after we had a visit together. It was yes. my, yourself, Marcus, me, my wife, and we looked at the house in Delray. Yes. Where you know the one uh, on the other side? I don't know which one. If you know which one I'm talking about. No, we went to see a house in Royal Palm Yard and Country Club. I think that was the one. We did, but we also looked oh, at the yes, one with uh, Rocky uh, Brook. the Rocky Brook one. Yes. yes. So I came back. We're having a uh, uh, lunch at this uh, restaurant. The girl comes back. I have the flyer sitting right there. She says, "So you work with her?" I said, "I work with who?" It's me, <laughs> Jen. You know, kids. You work with her. I said, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm confused. Sonata. I said, uh, no, but we just met her real nice. You know, we met mm -hmm. her, her husband. She says, well, I hate to say this, but I have to say it anyways. I said, what is it? She says, she's a com competitor of ours, but she's the best here. If you work with you in very good wow. hands. So I'm just telling you, everybody. Our competitors are giving a shout out. Everybody salutes wow. Sonata. Sonata sells that's 10, 20, big. 30, $40 million homes. So it's not, yeah. you know, it's a different market you're in, but it's good to have you on here with us. For some that don't know, we'll get mm -hmm. into your story here in a minute. I think you used to be a top VP with the Trump organization years ago. Yes. You came out here. You've done incredible here yourself in uh, real estate. And with the current state of things, I think it's probably a good idea. We talk a little bit of real estate. You educate we us must. on that. And then, <laughs> and then since you're from Bosnia, yeah. you also have some thoughts about what Zlatan said about LeBron James. I can't ooh. wait to hear your commentary <laughs> about ooh, that. Ooh, ooh. But uh, uh, let's get into some but, of the but Before we get into it, can we also welcome a special guest back to the podcast? Who's that, Kai? You, baby. Oh, Where have yes, you been? It's good to be back. You've been in I, Hawaii. You've been well, traveling. I mean, what's going on? I watched what you guys did, what you did with yeah. uh, Kai and Tom. It was fun watching you guys. You hosting, sitting on this side. It was uh, yeah. exciting to see that. I kept but, your chair warm, but we're glad to have you back. But it's good to be back. I mean, obviously, Hawaii was a uh, great experience. It's a 12-hour flight. Yeah. And when I lived in L.A., it was a five-hour flight. When you're living here, you yeah. got the flight, the stops, all that stuff. Well, but we, we were the biggest event Hawaii had, an elite incentive trip. We had about 450 people there. We, had the, we were the biggest event since COVID. Everywhere you went, wow. it was on the news. They were all talking about it. They were so excited to see tourism coming back. That's really cool. This. They were so, because that's how they make their money. Mm -hmm. And Hawaii took a very big hit during COVID, but it mm -hmm. was a great experience. You know, good times. I got some thoughts I'll give at the end of the podcast. We had a, we had a yeah. phenomenal time in Hawaii. Well, now that you're in Florida... Floridians don't go to Hawaii for vacation. They, they go, go to the Bahamas. To, they go to, the Bahamas. So they go to Jamaica. Yeah. They go to uh, St. Bart's. Whatever. Well, we like it's, to challenge ourselves. We go to. Yeah. We move here. Hey, and I'm going go to Florida, and I'm flying place. the exact opposite direction. That's <laughs> double dose. But you had an awesome trip. We had a great time. And the tan is on point. Yes, we had a great time. The, the kids swam nonstop. We ran into uh, Armon from Rafi's place. The best he says, you're kid. kidding me. He came out. You know, you didn't know Armon was going to be there. I had no idea. That's ridiculous. He messages me saying, don't tell what me you're in Maui. I said, I'm in Maui. He says, you got to be. I'm 10 That's minutes awesome. away. Kids hung out. Rafi's we had, place. 
We had a great come. Now we're trying to get him to open up a Rafi's place in Florida, but we'll see if that's going to happen. Okay. I think Florida needs a Rafi's place. Oh, yeah. I agree. I think yeah. South Florida needs it. And you can eat outdoors and it's not a big deal all year regulated. round, baby. Exactly. Exactly. So, Nada, let's get some real estate on there. Let's make, let's make it happen. <laughs> Let me give the stories on what we go, got to cover. Let's go. Then we're going to focus on Sonata, and then we'll go into the story. Let's do it. I think that's the formatting. So, well played. here's the issues we got going on today. Walmart is thinking about coming out with the Bank of Walmart, and they just recruited top, two top Goldman Sachs folks away, mm-hmm. which they're not just anybody. We'll cover that here in a minute. Uh, New York. Wall Street Journal did an article saying, the old New York will not be coming back. Obviously, a lot of people are thinking the old New York will be coming back. They're saying it's not going to happen. Uh, we'll see what's going to happen there. Dow Jones surges 600 points as Johnson & Johnson announces their new coronavirus uh, vaccine debut. Uh, Texas top uh, electric company files for bankruptcy. I think it's a $2.1 billion bankruptcy after what took place. And you would have never thought for this to be taking place. Everybody was surprised by it. We may cover that. Mail fraud, United Airlines paying $49 million for scamming the USPS. For years this was happening, now they got to cut the check. Buffett, in his annual meeting that he had, he made a lot of different statements. Number one, he bet on America. He says, always bet on America. Mm-hmm. Then he talked about fixed income invest- investors may face bleak futures. Bonds, we'll cover that. And uh, some uh, other announcements about him buying back $25 billion repurchase. I mean, when you're buying back shares like that, what are you saying about your company? Confidence. Absolutely. I feel we're going places. You buy $25 billion back, that's respect for what they do. We'll cover that. Chinese businessman charged with stealing G trade secrets. The CPAC speech, I don't know if you guys watched it or not. I watched the whole thing. You know, it's it's. he made a lot of comments. We'll make cover some of the stuff that he said. Hyatt had some issues with that. And then we have, let me see what else we got here. Minimum wage, Iran nuclear deal, Syria strike, Biden administration uh, urges uh, urge to penalize Saudi crown prince over the Khashoggi killing. We may cover that. And then Twitter had some stuff. And obviously we cannot do all of this without the Zlatan commentary of what he said with LeBron James, which just so you know, I'm a diehard Zlatan fan. Same. I am a diehard Zlatan fan, but this may be a Same. different. Yeah. Okay. I'm a diehard Zlatan fan, but we'll go to that here in a minute. So real estate. Uh, tell us a little bit about your experience with real estate, how long you've been around, and what's going on today for the buyer, for the seller, for the investor. What are your thoughts on real estate market today? Real estate is on fire. Um, I have never seen anything like this ever before. I mean, I've been doing it for 20 years mm-hmm. now, and I've lived through the recession and the irrational exuberance of 2005 and six. But what's happening now is so extraordinary in that the luxury sector is facing such low supply and such high demand that we're all in awe and just observing like what's going to happen next. So I'm really fascinated by this huge exodus from New York. I was just talking with Adam earlier. All of the New Yorkers we know are now living in Florida. So it was all about tax situations, a lot of tax refugees mm-hmm, coming mm-hmm. down. Tax refugees. Yes. Wow. And a lot of families who are coming for yep. lifestyle. And it's a whole different ballgame now, particularly, you know, when you're talking about corporate relocations, you have uh, Goldman Sachs, mm-hmm. you have KKR, they're all coming down here. So. And, and do you think this is going to stop with New York? Do, or do you think this is going to continue? I think this is going to continue, um, not just because of tax benefits of, of being here, but also because people post-COVID or hopefully we're in the post-COVID world have realized that they want a little more space. They want a little more air to breathe um, and less density. So 
I think it's going to continue like this. It's, it's interesting you say low supply, high demand. Mm-hmm. So you, you put a house on a market, and we're not mm-hmm. talking about $500,000 homes, million, $2 million homes. You put a house on a market, mm-hmm. $27 million house, boom, like this. Gone. Two, three offers, closed, done, 30 days, 60 days. Yep. And then, you know, Tim, you were, we're good friends with Tim. You know, Tim, yes. our, our shout out to Tim Elms, who is a, <laughs> uh, he's a genius realtor. He thinks like a Tom Ellsworth. He's just, he, his brain doesn't stop. He's just constant. Super smart. Uh, yeah. One time we went and looked at a house. It was the greatest experience. It was pure showman. Uh, we had such a great time. So we go in, we're looking at this one house, and it's me and Jennifer. Tim walks in. He looks at this realtor and says right off the bat, why the hell would they put this right here? Why would the builder put this right? This is 1980s stuff. And him and the realtor get into an argument right in front of us. I'm like, Tim, just it's okay, buddy. Let's just. And then he walks in and says, where's the pantry? How do you not put a pantry into a $4 million house? You get, where's the pantry? Do you expect them to put it in the garage? So I'm like, is there an issue going on here with these two guys? So then they go outside. He says, let me see the backyard. There's a pool and there's no fence. There's a little bit of a creek back there. He says, nope, you got to put a fence here. There's going to be alligators there. He says, sir, I've been selling homes here for 30 years. There's not a single alligator. I guarantee you alligators are going to be found in your swimming pool. So at this point, Jennifer just steps away and we're just sitting there. (laughs) They're going for 15 minutes fighting. We're just cracking up. That's Tim Elms. He represents you very well. Is he your partner? He's a good friend of mine. He's a good friend. Yes, we work together. He's a a good guy. So he said to me, he says, Patrick, I just want you to know people who are moving here are billionaires. So if you're going to make an offer, just know who you're going up against. There are people that have money that don't care about 28 million, 32 million. Get what you want, but don't over-negotiate right now because of what's going on. Obviously, we've gone through a few different homes, and we've seen them go like this, just our own experience. Absolutely. So so how long do you think it's going to stay buyer's market? Because my concern is with rates, right? We saw last week the rates went up slightly, and you saw the market, you know, respond to it. What's going to happen when Powell or whoever is going to be running the Federal Reserve eventually raises the rates back to what they're used to be, 5 6%? What's going to happen there? Or do you think this number is still going to be going up? The market is still going to be going up? I think so. I think the strength of the luxury real estate market is directly correlated with the strength of the uh, stock market. So it's it's psychology, right? If you feel really good about your portfolio and you're like, no, I'm staying here. I'm going to buy upgrade. I'm going to buy something bigger. Um, but the rates are impacting more lower up to $3 million segment. So people who need to finance, right? And however rates are going to impact the stock market, I think then it's going to impact the ultra luxury. But so so not the ultra. So the ultra luxury, because it's a niche, they're not going to be affected by it. But other folks who are maybe in the 500,000, 1 million, 2 million, they will be affected by Absolutely. the rate. Absolutely. Okay. Interesting. Because is that because the ultra rich keep getting richer and to them it's not a big deal to, you know, move into a place and you know, even overpay for property? Pretty much. Okay. I mean, it's it's emotional and it's a yeah. completely different ballgame when you're dealing with super rich versus when you're dealing with people with families who have to buy at a particular price. They have very strict budgets. So it's it's much more emotional driven. And what I've noticed, it's it's all about psychology, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. when, when things are going really well and particularly um, during the pandemic when people were scared, times of uncertainty bring out the best in people or the worst in people. So <laughs> fear fear is a very unique motivator even with the super rich clients. What, what, so just a, this is a trick question for you. Yeah. <laughs> what is the cheapest home you ever sold? I don't know. 
700,000. 700,000. Yes. Okay. So 700,000 all the way up to? Uh, 25, 27. Okay. Yeah. So 700,000 to 25, 27. What is the, the, when you're dealing with approach, approach with a $700,000 client versus a $25, $26 million client? The reason why I ask that is because, yes. you know, I'm in, I I worked in finance last 20 yes. years, so I'm dealing with a client that wants to put $20 a month into a term policy, and they just want to protect themselves for 100000 or a quarter million. That's all they can afford, right? I'm mm-hmm. just going to put, I'm going to set aside $100 in a mutual fund versus you're dealing with a client that's talking about, you know, $100 million, a bigger number. It's a completely different approach with them. Is it for you as well? It is a different approach, okay. but uh, it boils down to a common denominator, and that's the needs, right? What do those people need? So if, if a family is really driven by, um, you know, relocation, job is here, so he, let's say a husband doesn't want to commute too, too far, then we're just really strictly focused on, on that. With the ultra high net worth clients, it's a completely different approach in mm-hmm. that their needs are, let's say, you know, where my kids are going to go to school. Um, am I going to have space for the staff? Am I going to have the ability to work from home? Because most of these clients are big CEOs and they want to have the ability to have um, huge offices at, at their home. And the pandemic, by the way, has had a huge impact yeah. on how people think and what these needs are. You know, before it was just, um, I need uh, a house. Now it's more like I need a home because I get to be stuck in my home for so long. So my perception of the space has, tra- you know, transformed. That's a, that's a good point because you're, you know, many people are working from home for the last 12 months. Absolutely. Sonata, how easy is it for you to sell people from all other states to move to Florida? If you were, if you were the governor of Florida, let's recruiting, say, recruiting, governor recruiting. Sonata, okay? <laughs> governor Sonata, governor Sonata Ajem, okay, is kind of like Governor Perry would go to California and he would recruit everybody and he would do all these radio. You, if you're a small business owner, you're going through high regulation and you don't like the taxes, why don't you come down to Texas? You know, well, Is that your Rick Perry? That's right kind of what that's happened that's to that's us. So bad. That's so we bad. met with Rick Perry and we, he brought in Nolan Ryan, Don Nelson. He says, let me tell you about Texas. Mm-hmm. And then he recruited incredible recruiting approach mm-hmm. that they had. But if you were the governor of Florida, how would you recruit people to the state of Florida? Oh, my God. I almost want to tell him to slow down. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Governor Sin- uh, DeSantis, Governor, take it easy, buddy. No, it's almost like Too slow many down. Too many Is like, that what it is? It's like a thousand a day coming to Florida. So wow. we need to be able to keep, keep up with the infrastructure. And uh, But it's so easy to recruit because it's like, look at this lifestyle, you know, and, and also <laughs> it was the pandemic was horrific for so many people and so many families. And they look at Florida, not just in terms of lifestyle, like we go out to um, restaurants and it's not as strict as most other states. So they look at Florida like, oh, you guys are having fun. Like, what's going on? It's so crazy you say that. You know, you post Instagram stories and people will say, well, lucky you, you can go to a restaurant. I'm like, lucky. I mean, because I lived in Texas. And even in Texas, we'd go to restaurants and we'd go to Toulouse. But Martin, which I miss Martin, you know, our friend from France. Toulouse. So we go to Toulouse, and you're sitting there, you're having a good time, great. Everybody would send messages, how are you able to do that? Yeah. Why are you able to do that? And you're staying, and you come to Florida, same exact thing here. But uh, that's not normal for everybody else. That's not normal. Living. I think this is such a bubble. It's almost la-la yeah. land in Florida due to regulations mm-hmm. um, during and post-COVID, uh, due to the weather, 
right <laughs> due to low density areas so it's it's a whole different ball game what's going on here so easy time recruiting people to florida i, I don't need to recruit <laughs> how, how, how often do you hear a luxury so real estate agent great. saying <laughs> relax we don't need you here right now buddy i sold enough stay 20 million dollar homes let me take it easy well let me ask you uh, opposite question can you sell people on staying in florida staying in new york um new york oh that wow that's a million dollar See, that's question, the question that's because um, I think a lot of them are thinking of coming down, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. relocating the companies, families, everyone. So um, I think that once once the weather gets better in New York and once um, post-COVID time it has improved, right, I think um, a lot of people will want to stay in New York. But New York, there's something so special and magical about New York, and it's so resilient. I think it's going to transform. Uh, but for now, Florida is a place to be, uh, not just for business reasons and what you were talking about, taxes, right? It's it's the place to be. So what's going on in New York right now? Like, obviously, supply and demand. You talked about demand is ridiculously high here in Florida. Mm -hmm. Supply is low. Flip it. You know, I mean, we're talking New York, you know, New Jersey, Connecticut, just that whole area. What's happening with the real estate market there? Are prices down 20%? Like, can yes. you get a good deal on it? Like, if you believe in New York and New Jersey and you're like, look, Things are weird now, but by 2022, things are going to be back to normal, baby. We're good. What's happening in that market from what you, you've seen? From what we've seen, it, New York is definitely down in terms of real estate. Prices are down anywhere from 25% to, in oh some instances, gosh. 35 wow. Yeah. So, so if you bought a place for a million bucks in New York, yeah. which is, is a shoebox in New York. Wow. Yeah. Your, your condo, whatever it is, because I have a buddy that just bought something like right before the pandemic. His place is maybe worth seven fifty now. That's correct. So real estate doesn't always go up, like newsflash. Well, right. I mean, correct. Okay. And, and New York you really, gone you got, up. You're dealing with a black swan. So of course, New York of course. Crushed. But we're dealing yeah. with, yeah. you know, New York got really, really yeah. crushed. And ideally, now you want to sell in Florida at the high and buy in New York. Of course. At the low, because the, wow. the problem we're having in Florida, a lot of people with such low inventory here is like you tell them, "Hey, I can get you insane number for your house," and they're like, mm -hmm. "Where do I go?" I right. have no place to go. If you sell, what, do you, what am I going to do? What That's am I going to do? Question. Do you ever recommend that somebody, mm -hmm. This is I don't know if we want to open up this can of worms on real estate, but sell your house, okay? Mm -hmm. Get 10 million bucks, put it in your pocket, sick. Go rent the place for a year or two. Do you ever recommend that? I do. I okay. do. Like, cash out. And cash out, relax, go. travel. They don't like the rentals. They just don't. <laughs> like, if you're that wealthy, you're like, no, I need to buy a place. No, they, they don't. Most of my ultra-wealthy clients, like, if it's a few months here and there, yeah. they'll rent. And if it's a beautiful home, of course, they're fine with that. But in their mind, like... They are not own. renting. They're not renting. Okay. But New York, to go back to your question, which is yes. a really important subject, New York real estate is down because it's a black swan event. Mm -hmm. And because... People were afraid during the pandemic to be in these high rises and, and being around so many people and, mm -hmm. and COVID restrictions were so extreme, rightfully so at that time, because New York was just a, a unique place. So I think it's going to take a few years to recover mm -hmm. because it's affected people on all different levels. Right. And it's affected um, how people think about New York real estate, but knowing what New York is about, which is its extreme diversity and amazing 
you know, mm-hmm. people, culture, the restaurants, hustle, the bustle, the hustle everything. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's gonna come back. And now I have clients who'll call me and say, "Hey, do you have something in New York that's a steal?" So a lot of them are wanting steals in New York as an investment mm-hmm. because they're counting. It's gonna take two, three years for it. To and you can get steals, steals right now. Are right? there steals? Yeah. So absolutely. there are many steals in New York right absolutely. now. Absolutely. Okay, that's good to know. So yeah. there are. So I just pulled up bank rate and mm-hmm. I looked up to see housing heat index, which state real estate markets are doing the best and worse during coronavirus. They rank mm. all top 50. Oh, that's okay, awesome. So top five. Number one, you'd never guess it, Utah. Okay, Utah. Wow. Number one is Utah, believe it or not. What's up it, with that? It jumped up 10.7% in 12 months. Then it's Montana. Maybe you ought to consider Montana be a good place mm. for you. Then it's Missouri. Yeah. Then it's Arizona. Then it's Idaho. Top so Florida's five. not in the top five. No, I, it's maybe number six, but it's not in the top five. It's Whoa. what we're looking at. Then if you put bottom five, bottom five, check this out. 51, Hawaii. Mm. Okay. 50, New York. Mm. Then it's Louisiana, Illinois, Nevada. Even Illinois got hit. Mm -hmm. But New York, 50. By the way, Hawaii homelessness was berserk. Like, you couldn't even believe it. Well, it's like the most expensive place to live. It's not only the most expensive, it's not, it, it relies um, on tourism. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So New York doesn't necessarily rely on tourism. New York is a you know business capital of the world, mm-hmm. but you got to keep the business there. Right. Absolutely. You know, you got to keep the business there. Uh, Sonata, you came, your story is you came from Bosnia. Mm-hmm. Why don't you share with us briefly your story? Well, we actually have a lot of a lot in common yes. in that regard. Um, I lived through the war in Bosnia in 91, 92. I was a teenager. I was 13 years of age and saw more atrocities and horrific things than most people will, will see in their lifetime. Um, and I worked for the United Nations at the time and, and got a chance once in a lifetime, a chance uh, to come to the United States to study. And, you know, we were refugees during the the war in Bosnia. Um, We lost absolutely everything. I also lost my father. And it was, you know, a pretty big deal for me to come to the United States because it paved the way to help all my family to Mm -hmm. come here. Were you the Uh, first in your family to come to the United States? Wow. Yes, I was the first one. I came with $200 in my pocket and a scholarship, which was pretty cool. And worked really hard. Um, ended up uh, fin- getting my undergrad degree. Moved to New York. Worked in uh, healthcare venture capital, and then got an opportunity to work for Donald Trump. So it was the most unusual experience in that you know I'm an immigrant. I'm a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, used to be a refugee, and coming to work in the big city um, was pretty awesome. That's why I have such a soft spot for New York. I love New York so much. Um, in, in that place, people welcome you with your differences, with what you have to contribute, right? And um, after being there for about five years, six years, I decided... Um, there meaning with Trump Organization. Yes, Got it. yes. Yeah. So after being in New York with the Trump Organization, with Trump International mm-hmm. in particular, I decided it was time for me to... Um, have a little bit of an easier life because working, let's say, 80 hours a week is good for a few years is when you're young. Is that the expectation? That's the expectation. 80 hours a week. Easy. Wow. Um, and after, you know, doing that for five years, you come to a point where you're like, okay, I need 
to relax a little. So I moved uh, with Blackstone when they bought the Boca Resort. I moved here to Boca Raton, and I love this little place. Mm-hmm. And I used to get teased a lot by my New York friends, like Boca Raton, like seriously, it's such what a little sleepy town. What would they tease you town. about? It's a sleepy town. It was known at the time, 13 years ago, as the retirement community, and yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. not that. No. Um, so if you move to Boca Raton, you're going to have to deal with that as well. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's what they told me when we were coming on mm-hmm. here. But like, honestly, we came here, the way, the, the way they described it was the best. Say Miami, you got Palm Beach, yes. okay? You can even go Jupiter if you want to. Pace and speed of lifestyle. More south, faster. Mm-hmm. More up, you know, slower. slower. Yeah, I, I like a little bit of pace, but not too much. Boca's a good place to be in the middle. Exactly. Pacing. Exactly. So, so you're saying, so you work with Trump, obviously, directly. You guys work very closely together. Yes. Was he a pretty intense, high-standard guy himself? He was. And was he, like, one of those guys that's always on where he'd come in to work? He was also working hard himself. He wasn't just expecting to work hard, or was he also always working hard himself? He was always working yeah. hard himself. So. so, you know, I we would start at, like, 7.30 or so, and I'd be there until 10.30, 11. And um, we call him Mr. T. So he would come in in the morning to see who's there, who's who's the first one in the office. Work. What time would he get in the office? I don't know, 8 o'clock or so? 8 o'clock? Step yeah. it up, Donald. <laughs> I've already been in know, the office for three hours, fan. buddy. Not you, Adam. Not you. Step it up, Don. Stop it. Not you. Adam's a 9.30 guy. Yeah. After you do your yoga, that's I'll when you do my you yoga. Come. Yeah, you relax. Well, what time did we start today? At 7.30. So how am I a 9.30 guy? Wait we started at 7.30. Once a week, you're here at twice 7.30. Twice a week. What's a twice a week? The podcast? We do the podcast. I got to give it to you. Respect. Okay. Ever since you started, so ever since you started working here, we got you coming here at seven thirty. And and that's a big deal for Florida, Pat. You know, that's a huge deal. You know, I tell people from New York all the time: if you come down to Florida Mm -hmm. and you keep that New York mentality, that hustle, that you're you're going to kill the world. Yeah, because everyone in Florida, I'm sleeping in. I might go to the beach today. I'm hungover. So funny. I was on a yacht yesterday. Well, you actually were on a yacht. Yeah, that's why I was hungover yesterday. That's what I'm saying. Like. Yesterday was rough. Now yeah. I'm back in it. But yeah. you understand. like I totally get it. Am and I wrong on that or am I? You are. Yeah, exactly. so, so let's go back to So Trump was a hardworking guy who expected his people to also work hard. Yes. What did you learn from working? Because when you work with somebody like that for five to six years, you're going to walk away picking up a lot of stuff. What were some of the things you took away from working with them? A few things. But number one was I remember when I first got there in the office, there was a plaque that says start from the end. And it took me a few seconds to understand what that truly means. But he is always like, get to the point. And he never had the time to listen how you got to a certain point. It was just like, start from the end. So. <laughs> you know what What's this your is? Point? So this is a recording they made because Adam will go and say some stuff. And I'll say, what's your point? <laughs> and now we got a button. Yeah, now we got a button for it. So he okay, would say, get it. to the point. Get to the point, and it trains you how to think differently, and that's what happened to me. Um, I immediately get to the point, and then it would be like, what's your suggestion? Because coming with problems to him was not optimal. Come with, what's your point, um, and what do you suggest? Um, Another thing that I learned is, like, figure it out, uh, which is, if you're tasked with discerning, for me, it was Trump International I worked with a company um, called Bayrock. Um, if you were tasked with figuring out who's going to be your target market for Trump, so how do you get highest price per square foot? And everything had to be the highest, the best, you know, the most glamorous and everything. So um, you would go into this process of what's it going to take. And the standards were so high that you knew 
if you just, you know, come up with a little report and he hated reports, you would have to tell him, you know, it's the Russians who will want to pay the highest price per square foot. Why? Not because of the location, but because of the brand. This is what you need to do with the brand. So um, it was really interesting um, it, for me, at least, coming from uh, venture capital to real estate development and real estate marketing in particular, how to understand to maximize the value of a brand to achieve maximum price per square mm. foot. Interesting. And the other thing was, which I think translated subsequently to his political um, arena, was know your know your people, know your um, audience. And if you tried to uh, target very specific audience who already loved the brand, you just needed to focus on them. You didn't have to worry about trying to sell to someone else. So specific niche, work on a niche that you had. Very Riches specific niche. Riches and the niches, you know, the whole, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So those those were like some of the, the big, big lessons. And, and the other one was always be on. You know, I, I used to work from whenever I woke up, didn't even have time to train. You'd get ready, you could get to the office, you work. Uh, you go to grab a bite to eat at like six o'clock. And oftentimes he would, pop in at like 10.30 to the office to see who's still there. At night. At night. Yeah. And um, I remember I remember one night in particular where I was really tired. I was working on a project in Phoenix, so I had taken the red eye, and I was at the office. It was like 10 o'clock. I was exhausted and, um, you know, just kind of, okay, let me just finish this. And he came by the office, and we're all like, okay. Um, he's like, you don't have makeup. Like, why do you look so tired? And I'm like, well, I've been, you know, working hard. He's like, get it together, finish, and go home. Wow. So, Like disrespectfully? or No, it wasn't even disrespectful. It was like just an observation. I didn't take it disrespectfully, but mm. it was like you always had to well, be on. Well, think about it. Think about it. So just so you know, he got his work ethic and his hustle from his dad, mm -hmm. but he got his swag from his mom. His mom was always on, and his mom always had the expectation that you got to, like, the swab, you know, the swagger was a mom thing. I don't know if you've seen his mom's hair, you know, hairdo, what it looked like. Her, her, she had, like, it, a bouffant. Yeah, like, pretty much. So if you look at so That's a great word. What, just say what, bouffant. Well, think about it. Have you ever seen him not look put together? Yes. When? There's a lot of photos of him looking sloppy. When? When have you seen sloppy? him? Sloppy? Sloppy dog? When Bob? have you seen him being sloppy? You there, don't see there, 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 if there is photos, yeah. it's because there's billions of photos. But the guy is yeah. pretty much, Granted, you know, put he's together. always suited and yes, booted and you fake get, tan, and so we, we get it. Did you ever see him negotiate or no? Did you ever actually witness him negotiating? Yes. Um, what was his style? Uh, the same what you've seen okay. in the White House. I mean, he's really like just get it done. He doesn't care how you get it done. Um, uh, very intimidating. Like I honestly, I've never seen him smile during those five years. So that's, you know, he's very, very serious, wow. uh, very intimidating. Um, and he would listen, but he would only listen to people he trusts. So people who are in his inner circle, including his children. Got it. And did the people that were in his inner circle, did they stay there for a long time or would they churn and burn yes. kind of like politics? No, okay, not Okay, so churn. on the business side, they would stay with him for a long time. On the business side, from his assistants to people who worked for him were there for decades. Got it. Mm. Last question for you yeah. about him driving. How did he drive people? Like, you know, 
uh, uh, there's different ways people drive their teammates, their yes. staff, their salespeople. What was his style? Um, I would say fear-based in a way. Really? Um, yes, okay. because he would have really high expectations. So if you fall beneath whatever that high standard mm -hmm. is, it's like you don't belong there. So mm. uh, it, not as many carrots uh, in that, you know, he thought that people should pay him to work for him in a way. So um, many people stay there for quite a long time because once you're in that inner cir circle, there is the, you know, material and financial benefit. Do people but, make money working with them? Like um, if you yeah. stay with them long term, you're going to make if money. You, yes. So okay. you have to get through a certain threshold and certain point in order to, to make money. So I don't think um, it, it's just the environment was really stressful. It was very competitive. Um, but I think I learned a lot from it. And for me, like, I'm not afraid I live through a war. So unless mm -hmm. someone has a gun to my head, I'm not afraid of you. Um, do you so kind of need to have that thick skin to even be in that organization? You do, absolutely. Like if you're not really ready for criticism or to work hard, like that's not the place you should. Correct. Got it. Correct. Um, question. Seems like you had a beneficial experience there were some pros and cons, and yes, you worked hard, and, cons, and but overall it was a net positive, mm -hmm. right? And you've worked pretty closely with him. I mean, you're saying you'd be in the office working at 10 p.m., and he'd show up, and you interacted with him. Mm -hmm. um, but you're also an immigrant. Yes. You know, you live in New York City. Like, yep. you have uh, clearly a love for diversity and inclusion and, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. How much—how shocking was it when you saw the switch from businessman Donald Trump to— politician Donald Trump you're like oh I can see that or you're like whoa I don't even recognize this guy where did you where'd you go with that that's a really great question because as someone who's seen the business mm -hmm. persona for all that time uh, when I saw the political persona I was not shocked at all um, mm. and I, I actually knew how he is and that he would polarize the country uh, that was very obvious because um, he has very strong, very clear, like set of values, what's important to him and how he is and how he thinks. So if you know how he thinks, you know how he's going to act mm -hmm. in whatever arena he's in. So, um, I, it was really difficult for me in that, yes, my experience working there was a net positive, but as an immigrant, as a woman, it was really tough for me to see, um, some of the statements, not some many statements that he's made and even what's happened in the Capitol and you know, but it's not shocking to me. Because he steers the pot. He likes that. Yeah, he I can see that. He enjoys that. He... I, I'm not surprised either. I mean, I, I mm -hmm. you just watch him at Apprentice. He steers the pot. His entire career is about steering the pot. Like, what do you expect him to do? He's going to continue steering the pot. Um, but, you know, kudos to you for your story to go from Bosnia, to come to New York, to work for Trump Organization five to six years, to come over here after your father passed, you've experienced all this different mess, and you come and you see what's going on with America right now. Sonata, how much do you love America? I'm curious. I can answer that from mine, but I want to hear from you. How much do you love America from I, your perspective? I love it. What do you love it's about like, it? Uh, what do you love about it? I love the freedom. Okay. I love the freedom of speech. Yep. Um, I love the fact that you can be an immig immigrant, you can be a woman, you can speak with an accent but not think with one and make it in this country. You can be an entrepreneur. I love that. What does that mean, speak with an accent but not think with one? 
I, I say that because yeah, some I've never people, heard that before. you know, you get underestimated hmm. when you speak with an accent. That's at least what I've experienced. And uh, I, I joke about it. And I heard that from a good friend of mine who's Cuban. And I, I really took that on. It means that don't underestimate me. I like it. There's I two like, people here with an accent yeah. and a third one that can do any accent. Her and I have an accent. Yes. We give you an accent. You do a German accent for us. You Isn't that crazy, I tell you? Um, do you want me to do accent? But don't forget, we also have other accent boy here. That's, that's a Bruno Cry. accent. Yeah, that's, that's like my gay German Bruno thing going that's on. That's a Bruno oh, accent. Kai actually speaks uh, with a thick Norwegian accent, but he fakes it because he wants to well, speak he gets like an American. Well, Kai, he, let me he, hear some Nor Norwegian. Oh, my gosh. Here we some go. Norwegian or a Norwegian accent? All the above. Give baby. the accent. Give the accent. Uh, I is uh, from Norway. I uh, moved to uh, Florida, and now I live here. Well, you can do Not it. Bad. Good for you. Not bad. Good for no, you. it's it, that's how they speak. No, no, Very that's nice. that's. I how. think that's that's if Bruno were from Norway. Yes, she just she just <laughs> called you out, bro. <laughs> By the way, Kai, Kai okay. shout out to Kai. Since, he's talent. He's behind the scenes. Yes. He's, 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 he's so since MVP. we're on the topic, yep. let's just wrap this up. Since we're on the topic, because I'm curious. By the way, somebody's asking a question here. Daniel Astacio, I'm going to get to your question here. Uh, matter of fact, I'll just ask her right now. Her advice to a Florida realtor and her favorite books for mm. realtors. Wow. Um, advice to Florida realtors is um, give it your all. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy time, and I think just work really, really hard right now. Um, and be prepared. Save all your money because we don't know how long this is going to last. Let me last. hear you say save that money. Save that money. <laughs> no, seriously. So so work seriously. because you, you don't go, know how long this is going to yeah. last. Yeah, yeah. I think that's very the good, good counsel. times may not last forever, I, I for sure. I think this is very good counsel. So yeah. save like you've never saved before in today's economy. Absolutely. Okay. Some some people love to spend when, when the money is there. But I just say yeah. save all your money. Be very, be very, very careful yeah. how you plan for your future because, you know, nothing lasts forever. It's crazy. I'm buying a house right now, and mm -hmm. I know I'm not buying at the best market. <laughs> and I know that. What does but, that feel like, knowing that no, no, you're but, buying at the top I'm, of the market? I'm not, but I know, I, like, we just had a conversation right off yeah. uh, uh, off camera about, you know, whether you buy structure, you buy land, all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And we have a good team. I think we're pretty clear on what we're looking for. I think everybody's managing expectation well. And we will see what's going to be taking Let place. Let me ask Sonata one last question, just before, because I know we're going to move on. on. No, 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 and just on real estate yeah, in general. Yeah. So take off your $25 million hat mm -hmm. and put back on your $700,000 hat, right? Okay. You said that's okay. Absolutely. So what advice do you have for our audience who are, you know, maybe they're buying a first-time home. And, you know, maybe they're not in Miami. Maybe they're anywhere. Just, you know, Absolutely. we talked about the list. Who should be buying a place right now? Who And who should be like, look, maybe you're renting. Like, give you advice to the... Half a million dollar buyer, million dollar buyer, real quick, not the $25 million buyer. Absolutely. That's sure. that's a really good question in that you know, most people feel that real estate is their highest asset, right? Mm -hmm. Like the highest valued asset. So when you're making that big decision, and it's a very emotional decision, not just financial, I would say be logical, not as emotional mm. about your purchase. Um Look for off-market opportunities. That's a big one because most people just look what's on the market right now. Uh, use your resources, your connections, your you know people you know to look for things that are not even on the market um, because there are you know things change. Unfortunately, in our business, you know, divorce is one of the major reasons for people to want to change their home Whoa. situation. So I would say, regardless of the price range, but seven hundred thousand. 
definitely finance because the rates are so low. Mm -hmm. uh, look for good opportunities, knowing that it's it's about the value. So if you decide to sell in three, five, seven, or ten years, that you're going to be able to sell your property and not regret your decision. Gotcha. When you say three, five, seven years, do you is there a certain amount of time that if you buy a house, you're not selling for the next X amount of years? Is there a sort of a rule of thumb? Um, most people, believe it, or, believe it or not, keep it for about seven years. Okay. That's the average. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people come and tell me, oh, this is my forever home. I'm going to put a fortune into it. And I'm like, don't do that because most forever homes are not forever Don't homes. get too emotional you know, about don't this. Don't get too I, emotional. Stay logical. I couldn't. So nine homes in 11 years. Like if you think about how many That's times how many homes you've oh, lived in. First of all, crazy. Home, like whatever we buy next, I already know. It's not like, you know. She's listening right now. Babe, I just want you to know it's probably not a four months. Be, be braced for impact because something's going to happen next five, ten years yeah. that we're going to say, let's go look at X, Y, Z. But let's talk about uh, CPAC, Trump's oh, speech. Okay, okay, what he's And I'm not talking about Cruz or any of the other guys. Matt Gates. I'm specifically uh, focusing on Trump's speech. Mm -hmm. What was your biggest takeaway from what he said at the CPAC? C curious. Because want me to start? This, this is the first time he came out, so why don't you take the lead? So, uh, obviously, he did his greatest hits. You know, Joe Biden's the worst president we've ever seen in the first month. And yep. the radical left. And, by the way, the country has seems to be doing okay for the last month or two since Biden's. Like, the whole, like, the country's going to fall apart and the, the communists are taking over. I've pretty much enjoyed life for the last 30, 60 days. Sort of stress-free. Stress there was a little yeah. insurrection at the Capitol, but who's, you know, paying attention to that? But the thing that stuck out to me the most wasn't so much the greatest hits, wasn't the talking about how horrible Sleepy Joe is. It's the specific singling out of any Republican who dared to cross him. Like, if you didn't pray to the golden calf of Donald Trump, he came after you. Uh, Liz Cheney, um, the, the guy in, uh, he's very outspoken. Adam, someone help me out here. Adam, uh, he's in Chicago. Um, Congressman Adam Kenna, Kennawitz, I, I forget his last name. Kai, you got a name for me? Adam something. Chicago Congressman, uh, Illinois Congressman, awesome guy. Um, all those guys, he's specifically saying, if you voted not lock and step with Trump and you voted to impeach him or did anything, he is coming after you. Yeah, Adam Kinzinger, sorry, I knew it was Adam K. Um, Who doesn't do that, though? I'm curious. Like, you tell me what politician or president doesn't come after the person But that... doesn't call them out by name and singles them out and, you know... So this guy at least is being truthful about who... So so the mistake on his is he publicly shares his strategy. I don't... I don't, I don't I... But I just want you to know, in the world... And this is not an... I'll, I'll take mm -hmm. shots at the areas that he doesn't, but you name me one politician that's not going to remember that. You, you tell me Obama wouldn't want to come back after Trump to make sure he didn't get reelected? You you mean to tell me a Bush didn't go come back after? You mean to tell me none of, the, none of those I, guys I, do? I see your point. I think yeah, you're right. So, Clearly, that's in their mind. But what we are witnessing is the oral vindictiveness of this man. Like, I'm not saying behind closed doors. Yeah, buddy, that's politics. That people, well, I agree. The James Baker book. Okay, the James Baker book. I don't know if you know who James Baker is. Yeah, James Baker, long time Republican long strategist. Time. Forever, he's like yeah. the he's the genius behind the genius. He, he was so logical, right? He was not the emotional guy. He was a mm -hmm. logical guy. Let me tell you, everything when you go into politics, if you don't know how to play dirty, you ever watch these guys? You're like, you know, what a sweet man Mike Huckabee is. Like, you know, it's a sweet man. You know, you look. 
His daughter could. Has anyone ever said that? Yeah, he's a sweet. But how come? You know, how come he can? How, how come he didn't run for? How come he couldn't win it? You look at some of these other Ben Carson. What a sweetheart of a man. Okay, how come he didn't win? If George he, W. Bush, sweetheart. I, no, George W. Bush is not a sweetheart. He's trained by Prescott, grandfather, who was mm-hmm. a senator, and he was trained by Father CIA. There, listen, there's training when you have those behind, kinds of people. There, there's low-key. Uh, what I'm trying to tell you is there's levels to the game. The yeah. lower level you are, the more peaceful, sweet mm-hmm. it is. The higher you go, you realize how dirty of a game it is. And if you show any kind of weakness, look, flip it. If Trump doesn't come out strong, what do you think they're going to do to him for the rest of his life? If Trump comes out and is quiet like a Nixon, what do they do for the rest of his life? I mean, they're going to come after him regardless for everything he's done. So, I, I mean, Trump is who he is. It's baked in the yeah. cake. He ain't changing. Here, here's my prediction. My prediction. The Donald Trump of 2015, 2016 is officially gone. He is no, like his highest approval ratings ever, never reached 50%. He is now baked in the cake, the 30% of the, of the country or... You know, the GOP is fractured. We talk about the, the, the Democrats having issues with the socialists on the left, the moderates. It is a clear fracture in the Republican Party. You're either with Trump or against him. If you're just a normal, conservative, you know, George Will, Mitt Romney, George Bush type Republican, and there's tens of millions of people like that, you're on one side of the aisle. If you're a MAGA, Trump, you know, May, you know, that whole vibe, you're with Trump. Like, you, if Trump said, I'm starting my own party, which, by the way, he said he wouldn't do. But if he said, I'm starting my own party, they're going with Trumpism, him. But he didn't say, I'm starting my own right. party, so but, I would never do that. So there's a major fracture in the GOP. Yeah. And what we've learned in 2020, in this election, unless you coalesce and come together as a party, as a unit, as a full-on, just cohesive unit, you're not winning a general election. Sorry. You could play to your base yeah. all you want, buddy. You ain't winning the general election. So keep doing that. Keep, you know, fracture, uh, fractualizing the the Adam Kinzingers and the Liz Cheney's of the world and the Lisa Murkowski's and the Susan Collins. Keep going after them. Clear division in the GOP, and I don't think he has any shot of winning the actual presidency if he does run again in 2024, but he'll clearly be the nominee if he wants that. He'll clearly be the nominee. Clearly be the nominee. Nobody. And get his ass kicked even by a dementia sleepy joke. That's okay. my prediction. What are your thoughts on CPAC? Oof. On to you, though. <laughs> I know. No, but yeah, he, he's he's lost all momentum from did you, did you bringing the yeah. country What'd together. What did you think about it? I thought it was expected. Okay. Uh, so knowing his personality, he he's very uh, vindictive, and he is very firm in how he thinks things should be. And in this, you're either for him or you're against him. I know that. Yeah, and I that. and I, I think there is a a huge majority of the Republican base that is exactly what you're talking about. It's it's much more um, mainstream, if you will, and more liberal in, in certain ways um, that I think is going to be left out. But if he's still interested in running, which I think he will be in four years, I do believe he's going to run again. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who were upset about what happened during the Capitol insurrection will have to decide which way they want to go. Because there are so many Republicans who voted for Donald Trump, not because they love Mm -hmm. or support what he stands for, but because they want to vote Republican for lower taxes and, and, you know, different lifestyle, right? Less regulation. Um, I think he's going to run. Um, I think he's going to continue to do exactly what you talked about. And, you know, 
you ask me what I love about this country, it's freedom of speech. Mm -hmm. But he's shown some authoritarian traits that make it more uncomfortable for people like Liz Cheney to say exactly what she wants to say. So mm -hmm. that's the part that I don't like because I grew up in a socialist country where you can't speak your mind. I think in this country we all came seeking freedom of speech. So with him it's going to be much more difficult um, and I think polarized as we go forward. But I do believe he's going to run. I think um, I, I agree with you. I clearly think he's the favorite. And if you chose to be the run in 2024, I think what he's going to do is he's going to keep, just keep doing what Donald does and just and wait until the midterms. And what he'll do is sort of dangle um, the Trump card, uh, for lack of a better term, over anyone running in the midterms. And if you were with him, he will go all in with you. And if you were against him, he will, like a bat out of hell, come at you for the Liz Cheney's of the world and the Susan Collins of the Murkowski's and, um, you know, anyone who voted against him. He will make he will do his damnedest to make sure they are not elected. <laughs> and um, the, the guy Kinzinger actually was on the news. I, I apologize. I forgot his name. Adam Kinzinger. He said, listen, in my district, I won 65 percent of the vote. And he's a Republican. Um, Donald won 52 percent. So the math's on my side. And that's something stop. that... Stop. What do you mean? Oh, my gosh. District against nation. I mean, stop. Well, so that's who these... He's, he's a, he's a get, congressman. He has fully, to win his district. I fully get that. I fully... Okay, this is bigger than what, what uh, uh, everything that's okay. So let me ask you this question here. What feeling do you get when you hear Nancy Pelosi speaking? An annoying grandma. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, would you agree with that, Paul? I don't want to offend Paul because I know he's a diehard he's a Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi fan. He's so from I, California. Yeah. yeah. So, what what feeling do you get when you hear Hillary Clinton speaking? Smart robot. Smart robot. Like she just repeats. She's just kind of okay. doing. You know. She's what what feeling do you get when Barack Obama speaks? Swaggy. Hundred percent. Swaggy. Gordon Swaggy. I love watching his interviews. People. Oh my gosh. You know. I, when he when I watch his interview with Leno or Letterman or you just are like man he's cool know, baby he's cool he's right cool. okay what yeah. what do you what do you think about when you hear Reagan speaking American icon American icon yeah but you know you look at him you're like what a, you know I, I like this guy comedy fun all that okay what feeling do you get when you get Joe Biden speaking um uh, dementia slash empathy. Really? He's a little slow, but okay. he cares. Okay. You can tell he cares. He's okay. got a big heart, cool. slow brain. That's how you feel when you yeah. hear Joe. Okay. What feeling do you get when you get uh, Trump speaking? Nails on a chalkboard. Okay. Now watch this. Yeah. That's for you. Yeah. And about 60% of the country. No, no. But wait, but wait, wait where I'm going yes, with this. I'm, go I'm with you. I'm with you. It, it, it's 75 million people vote. If you underestimate this guy, yes. you're going to experience exactly what you experienced in 2015, mm -hmm. 2016. Okay. So now flip this. What do Hillary Clinton lovers feel when they hear Hillary Clinton speak? Are there really actual Hillary Clinton lovers? 100%. Okay. Just go to Connecticut. Just yeah. just All go right. there and you'd see she's such a sweetheart. You don't remember when she lost how bad people were crying when she lost? It wasn't was so their... much that she lost. It was that Donald Trump became the president. No, that That's was why their, they were that crying. That was their hero. Right? Go, <sighs> go talk to somebody who loves, you know, a, a or who hates Barack Obama. 
When Barack Obama speaks, what do they say? He's a terrorist. He's not, not even American. Not that, but they'll say he's pompous. Yeah, I want to see his birth certificate. He's pompous. He's arrogant. He's this, he's that, right? Sorry, so, but, but the part you have to think about. He's a Muslim. You cannot, because I think this is going to get to one area. This yes. is the one area it's going to. It's only one question we have to ask. It's only Let's one question we have it. to ask. Okay. I'm all ears. So it's not about whether you agree with this guy's policies or not. Mm-hmm. Everything he said was the same thing, except for one thing. Except for one thing. One of the things he said, he's never talked about before. Hmm. He said, are you noticing what Joe Biden is trying to do to women? Did you notice the the recent, you know, thing he signed where transvestites can compete now in any kind? Where's, what's going to happen to women's sports? Why are you going to play tennis? Why are you yeah. going to play basketball? Why are you going to do this? So that was a new thing he threw in. By the way, it's Ooh. so controversial that's similar to what he did five years ago when he said what? Get them out of here. All they're sending us is this. Okay. So now people, oh, my gosh, I can, we can't even talk about this. No, no. He's brilliant in his marketing and his strategy. So why would he say something like that? That is a part and a base on the other side. They can say, mm-hmm. what? Well, he's right. Okay, he's right. And that's the Democrats always been what? Protecting all, you know, we're, we're party rights. for the women. Yep. So that's kind of going to backfire there because, you know, he knows how to play the, the, the divisive game just as good as these guys. Oh, he knows no who's doubt. going up against He knows against how them. to play the divisive well, game. Well, first of all, there's his, no doubt in just that. Just so you know, his enemies are dirtier than he is. Just so you know. His opponents are 10 times dirtier than he is, but they're private. He's mm-hmm. public. Anytime a person publicly shares their strategies, it doesn't mean they're the dirtier one. The private one is the one that doesn't say anything, but behind closed doors is like, let me see how bad I'm going to make your life a living kill. So he's not the dirtiest guy in the market. So you agree with his public strategy of airing the grievances? I didn't say I agree. You just heard yeah. a woman that worked with her for a high-ranking VP worked with him for mm-hmm. six years explain to you how he is. Nothing yeah. has changed for this guy to run the way he runs things. I mean, I can already see how he runs a sales meeting. I can already visualize how he would drive his salespeople. Mm-hmm. This, this is the point I'm trying to get to you. The only question we have to answer is the following. The only question we have to answer is the following. Can he win without Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube? That's it. Yeah. If he can, he's going to win. If he cannot, he ain't going to win. It's that simple. By the way, is he permanently banned? He's permanently banned from Twitter. Okay. YouTube, he's safe. But when you do a YouTube interview with him, and if he, he even comments on saying... You know, you guys know this was a rigged election. You guys know I won the election? Fraud. YouTube yeah. YouTube Disclaimer. is able to take that video down. Because or to put them, together a... Not just that. They're able yeah. to take the video Ooh, down. All the way. They, well, YouTube said anybody that talks about gotcha. election fraud, they're taking those videos down. YouTube made that announcement. So he can't go and say, Mm-mm. you know, well, let me tell you something. You know, they really stole this from us, et cetera, et cetera. Look how much I was, 75 million. So... The question we all have to answer is not even a political question. I don't care mm-hmm. how you feel about his, uh, you know, the wall, 500 miles. The only question we all have to answer is, can this guy win without Twitter, social media? So if you're watching this, I'm curious if you're watching this. Right now, we have 441 thumbs up. We have five thumbs down, okay? So 441 to five, five thumbs down. Press thumbs up if you think he can win without Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Press thumbs down if you don't think he can win without Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. I'm curious to know what people are going to say. But what do you think? You, Pat, think he you can hit win the nail it? on the head. I got I got to give you kudos for 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 injecting the actual logical, non-emotional mm-hmm. question here at hand, because that's exactly the scenario that we should be asking: is can he win without having big tech, you know, by his side, or at least allowing him to 
vocalize his thoughts. Without Twitter, there is no Donald Trump presidency. You know, who, who was it that you interviewed the other day? Oliver North. He said, I wish that Trump would put down the damn phone, something to that effect. Without Twitter, um, he's going to, and without, you know, a certain, a certain other extent, I don't know if, Inst- if Facebook, you, uh, Instagram, YouTube, if they're all banning him from the platform, um, he has two options that he's going to either need to go with the mainstream media, mm-hmm. which clearly they're not a fan, or he'll need to speak into the echo chamber that is Newsmax, um, Parler, OAN, and he's just going to be playing to his base. And one thing we've known about um, the sales game or politics is you need to be able to what? Convert. Mm-hmm. And if you're just playing to your 30% or 40%, good luck out there, Hoss. You need to get to at least 51%. I mm-hmm. So I to answer your question yeah. specifically, what's, what's your point? No chance without big tech, I said. Okay. Do you guys agree? No chance he wins without big tech. Paul, do you agree? Without big tech, yeah. He he needs to convert people. Yeah, Eric, can he win without Twitter, Facebook, YouTube? Definitely not. And I think even with it, it's going to be hard for him. Okay, to win. so that's a good. So that's interesting. Yeah, and that's a Trump guy right there. Yeah, and that's a Marine guy saying what he yeah. said. Okay, hey, Kai, can he win without Twitter, Facebook, YouTube? I think it'd be challenging, especially considering like his track record. He's yeah. not an unknown. There's a lot of people that were initially thought, "Hey, let's give him, let's give him the benefit of the doubt," um, in the first time around. But now, without that, and also without tech, I see it as a very hard for him to Sonata, what do you come think? out and win. I'm with the Marine. <laughs> okay, with or without. It's yeah. with Got or it. without because he just lost the support of so many mainstream Republicans, so many women that this um, hardcore, you know, rhetoric, I don't think is going to get him far because I feel talking to so many clients and friends, you know, as as Republicans, a lot of them don't want to be associated with with proud boys with such extremist groups and that's sort of the main um support group now for trump yeah so here's here's where i'm going with this if if you look at uh, the republican party like a sports team right now and they have to draft somebody right because that's what you're looking at right now you're initially essentially you're looking for a top draft pick to build your team around. And you got to have one person. Like you you're looking say, for LeBron James. You're looking for a person to build a team around, not mm-hmm. a talent. Like, you can't build around Carmelo and win a championship. You can't build around certain people, but you can build around LeBron, you can build around Kobe, you can build around certain players, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm in that room, and it's the 20 big decision makers of the RNC Republican Party, if you don't have a solution for mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, you better start putting it on somebody else. And by the way, that's that includes CPAC. That that includes a lot. Of, if you don't have another platform where this mm-hmm. guy can go, because we're so imagine he wants to say something. Who does he call? Like you know, when you want to make an announcement, what do you say? Hey, I'm doing a, you know, get all the media out here. Okay, cool. Da, 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 da. Everybody's in front of you, forty cameras. Yeah. So here's what we're gonna do. I noticed earlier today what happened in New York. I think it's a travesty with Cuomo, the governor. It's time to impeach. Okay, you need that. Where's he gonna, who's he going to call? AON? Mm-hmm. Is, he, is he going to call news? Who's he going to call? Yeah. Fox, Rush Limbaugh? There is no right. Who's he going to? No, yeah. you can't even call Fox. Fox is not even going that direction. Fox is also kind of going more center right. Mm-hmm. Fox is not going far right. I mean, Tucker's staying there. Hannity's staying yeah. there. But not everybody's staying there, right? So The opinion people will, but yeah, not the news people but, in Fox. But, but it's not an audience to convert. He converted Correct. people on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. So if the RNC 
gets emotionally closed behind closed doors by Trump, but they don't have a solution for another platform for him to speak, you just have to be thinking about it. Is it somebody for us to build around or not? So I don't know. I think uh, I think uh, uh, when he gives a speech and you're listening to him, you're like, this is exactly the speech that converted a lot of people, inspired a lot of people that wanted to do something with you. Good. Now, right after you gave that speech, what would you do? 40 tweets on Twitter. He can't do that right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the Republicans have clearly two strategies. They can embrace Donald Trump and play to their base and the people that love Trump and love everything you're about. Yeah. Yeah. They are gung-ho. They love him, love him, love him. His approval ratings are ridiculous. Or they can try to convert people and put their money behind someone like a Nikki Haley who a Democrat would vote for. Let me say that again. A Democrat would vote for a Nikki Haley. Would you vote for Pence? I would not vote for Pence. You wouldn't vote for Pence. No, I like to, you know, he's just he's just vanilla, the most vanilla, vanilla of the vanillas, vanilla I've ever vanilla. If he's vanilla, yeah. what is Biden? I mean, what do you vanilla? Put? He's got at least some rocky road in there, a little bit, oh, like some loose tracks. No, this is too, too. No, it's just too. So I, you're talking about converting? Yeah. As a, as someone who votes typically Democrat, Nikki I'd Haley vote could for convert. a Nikki yeah, Haley. Nikki Haley. Could I'm convert. coming out and saying a Democrat would consider doing that. If you want to win 50% and not just play to your 30% base, you got to have someone like that. I think they if have you want to have the MAGA crowd, good luck with Trump, y'all. It's not even the MAGA crowd. I'm not even worried about the MAGA crowd. I'm worried about you having a platform. I'm not mm-hmm. worried about the MAGA crowd. I'm worried about are you going to be able to get in front of the big screen in front of these things that you need? Can mm-hmm. you get in front of these things and have tens of millions of people here? If you don't, how are you going to influence people? You're not going to be able You're to. You're not. So, you know, the whole challenge with libertarian... Well, how come nobody's paying attention to the libertarian community? Libertarians have a great argument. Libertarians. Who, who, who was that, by the way? Well, libertarians have a great argument. They have a great point. Yeah. They have a, they have a great case. How come nobody converts but two three percent because they can't get here? Yeah. But who was that accent? You did a good accent. See, who was just, that? You, <laughs> some of the most. Was that like today. a great great storyline? Great storyline. Yeah. Terrible storytellers. Right. Oh, great Joe Jorgensen. How horrible is oh, that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Terrible market. Do you know who Joe Jorgensen is? No. There's a reason. She'd vote for a Joe Jorgensen. That's not the point. The point yeah. is, that's the point. Yeah, exactly. That is the point. She was the leading candidate in the last presidential election mm-hmm. for libertarians. And you, as a woman, does not, don't, you probably think Joe's a man. She, I did. That's the point. <laughs> it's a woman. It's Joe. Joe, Joe, Joe so, yeah. That, she, and she would probably identify with a lot of her philosophies. Wise, for sure. Yes, I mean, Never freedom, heard of her. you know. Yeah. yeah. But the point is, if you don't get that, forget about it. I don't care how, how amazing you are. The power of the media. You need it. It's extraordinary. Yeah. So, and he knows how to get it, but if he doesn't get it now with social, I, I, it's a different ballgame today. You got to be able to get me to hear you out here. Mm-hmm. If you don't have this, it's going to be a challenge. Okay, let's talk about Bank of Walmart. You guys okay with that? Ooh. Let's talk about Bank of Walmart. So why Walmart could become a serious player in banking? As Walmart looks to launch a fintech startup, the retailer is turning to Wall Street veterans to help into moving into the banking world, they picked up two senior bankers from Goldman Sachs, Omer Ismail, the head of Goldman Sachs Consumer Bank, and David Stark, one of his top lieutenants, to help lead the retailer's new fintech startup. I don't think in here it talks about Marcus, but we'll get into that here in a minute. Walmart announced earlier this year that it was partnering with Ribbit Capital, the firm backing fintech startups such as Robinhood to offer financial products for customers and employees. Customers have made it very clear they want to move more from us in the financial services arena, President and CEO of Walmart U.S., 
John Furner said in a statement, Walmart's current financial service offering include the Walmart Capital One credit card, the prepaid Walmart money card, and the ability for people to cash checks in stores. They're saying if Walmart goes into the banking business, they immediately become one of the biggest if they go into that world. Thoughts? I think it's a very smart strategy on their behalf. Um, they are, they've managed to become such an important global player as it relates to not just retail, uh, pharmacy, you name it, Walmart just has figured it out. And I think it's very wise for them because if people are going there anyway, most of America shops at Walmart, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how it is. I think it's a really important place for them. And and I know the the company Ribbit Capital, the venture capital firm, uh, they invest a lot in cryptocurrency and like mm -hmm. really alternative fintech startups. And for them to partner up with, with Walmart, I think it's, it's baller. Baller, I, think so as well. I like that term. I think so as well. What All right, do you here, think? Here's the question, Sonata. Yeah. When's the last time you, the luxury real estate guru, shopped at Walmart? Um, I don't know, six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to find well, Solana at Walmart. Okay. I'll, well, go, I'll go to Target. Oh, but, um, Francais. Yeah, Francais. Really? So you're more Target than your Walmart. Yeah. Okay, so you will not go to Walmart. <laughs> that is the fancy term. Well, let me tell you my little experience with there Walmart. We go. Where was I this past Sunday now that I'm back here in South Florida? Where was I? Is anyone who saw my Instagram? On a yacht? Mark, aisle 17. No, I was not. I was on a boat. I was on a yacht. Shout out to my uh, my best friend, Keith Mannon, his wife, Evelyn Mannon. It was her birthday. We had a great time. That was my Sunday in Miami. Kai, where did I go every Sunday when I was in Addison, Texas? You went to Walmart off of Beltline. Walmart Sundays. <laughs> there was nothing else to do. I mean, I was just, I, I had my Walmart Sundays. So, and, and part of it was, a, there's a two-prong approach here. If you live in Miami Beach or down to Miami, there's not a Walmart for miles, nowhere. So when I moved into, thank you for your, by the way, this guy got me my apartment and I said, go check out the VV&M over there. And, and you make that recommendation right next to the yard I, house. I, Thank I you. Knew, I don't know if you guys were there to witness this. The day <laughs> we announced we're moving to Florida, you were devastated. <laughs> you were devastated. No, not back to Miami. Let me stay she at the Walmart and Beltline. It was a very tough conversation. <laughs> tough, tough. But I'd go to this Walmart, and I was shocked by how cheap, um, yeah, inexpensive yes. things were. Shocked. I mean, you're talking about in Florida, you know, you shop at Publix. It's, mm -hmm. you know, pretty standard. Go to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. You know, things are a little pricier there. Like, I felt like they were giving things away at Walmart, okay? And and slowly but surely, I started getting indoctrinated to this Walmart lifestyle. And damn, uh, you know, things are very cheap. So then I started seeing the types of people that are shopping at Walmart. So it's very interesting. To, back to this story, um, Walmart's current financial service offerings include the Walmart Capital One credit card, a prepaid Walmart money card, and the ability for people to cash checks in stores, these are not these are not type of people who are buying twenty five million dollar houses. These are types of people that maybe make twenty five thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you're playing like Trump plays to his base. They are going after low income or even middle income Americans. And what we realized certainly since the pandemic is the K shaped economy. The rich are getting richer. They're gobbling up twenty million dollar houses like it's a uh, gumballs. But re the rest of America. You know, the, the rest of America has suffered tremendously. Has suffered tremendously in the bottom on the bottom half of the the K-shaped economy. So, where are they getting their financial services from? A lot of them are already going to Walmart. They're cashing their checks. They're doing, you know, their prepaid cards. So, if Walmart wants to play to their base, you know, the 25% of Americans who have no 
financial education. They have no savings. They have zero credit. They've got just financially a mess, you know, and, and a part of my brand is helping people like this get smarter. Um, I think that they can be a player in the low-income, middle-income American financial services. Well, what does player services. mean, though? Does player mean top five, top three? Can they compete at the top? What What does player mean to you? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, look, you know, FTM, follow the money. So okay. they're going to need the law of large numbers to, to compete. They're going to need millions and millions and millions of low-income Americans to say, all right, I'm done with Bank of America. I'm done with Chase. You know, Wells Fargo screwed me over one too many times. I'm a Walmart guy now. I'm a Walmart gal. And, you know, are they're going to need... Would you consider yourself a Walmart? Like, <laughs> no. But wait, wait a minute. I, actually, a serious yeah. question. I, I, like, but your whole spiel about you go to Walmart a lot kind of hurts your game a little bit. With girls, <laughs> but never bring that no, up no, on no, a date. No, no, like no, I'm good. I, I'm very I transparent. I hope you don't go on a I'm date and you say, hey, Mary, good to meet you. First time. At By the way, I was at Walmart the other day. At, <laughs> least, at least he'll know that they like him. I will yeah. take so. them to Walmart and see how they their selective <laughs> process. I will take them on a date to Walmart. High end. Take any cereal you want. Anything you want, baby. I got you. We're going to Walmart. It's I heard Al Seven right is beautiful this time of year. That's yeah, true. High That's true. So Paul's going to say something about Walmart. But before yeah. you do, I was yeah, going to ask this question. You were going to make a point. You were going to make a point. The question I was going to ask you is this. Walmart opens up uh, the banking side. Would you open up an account with them? Zero percent chance. Z- zero percent? Less than zero. Yeah, I'm not I'm not banking at Walmart. Like, no. Like, sort okay, of the, fine. Not a good look. By the way, keep this piece and record it. Shop. Okay. Shopping, Watching shopping for cereal so and, and avocados. Walmart <laughs> I got my Walmart go, black card, y'all. Go, go ahead, go ahead, Paul. Well, I think a big part of where they can succeed in this arena is the bank culture and the bank industry themselves. They they have a culture, right? It's that eight to five, and they're not open past five o'clock. If Walmart offers, because one of their big benefits, you is doing times? Because even when I was driving like from know. here to Texas, yeah, like I needed a couple things, and I'm like. Where's a Walmart at? And yeah. I know I can count on them for That's that. a good point. So if they can do that same thing in the banking industry yeah. and be like, hey, I need to go to the bank at 9 o'clock at night, I'll, I'll be Let me customer. ask you. Let me ask you. Paul E., yeah. would you cha- who's your bank right now? Uh, it's a Southern don't California. Don't say it. Don't say don't it. Because say it. people right. may go try to get would all your money. Would you start but banking at Walmart? You. If they offer what I just said. If they are con- more convenient. Because like, I don't go to the bank anymore, but... I, if you, I need an app, I need an app. You would bank at Walmart. I would bank at Walmart, yeah. Boom. You, you right. don't go going. to the bank anymore. No. What do you mean? Because everything you do is online? Everything's and, online, yeah. Okay. My bank's in California. Okay, right. fair enough. So so, so here's the here's the follow-up question for you. A couple things to be thinking about. Mm-hmm. Do you know 97% of America lives within 10 miles of a Walmart? Let me say this one more time. Wow. Mm-hmm. 97% of America lives within 10 miles of a Walmart. Goes back to your point, Okay. Do you know how many people per year walk through a Walmart? Walk not 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 if you walked in 19 times, you don't yeah. count as 19 times. How many? I'm just one time. Individual. Yeah, yeah. 200 okay. million. I was gonna say somewhere around two, a couple million. hundred. 200 million, yeah. million walk. But not Sonata. She hasn't been there in seven six years. years. <laughs> six, six. Well, maybe they're gonna yeah. get her business now. But watch Sonata, this. Sonata, would you would you consider banking well, at she, Walmart? If she hears about it's not what, happening. Well, hear hear me out for a second. Hear me out for a second. So, first of all, what is Robinhood? Robinhood is for what? Low income and middle America. That's what they're targeting. Great. Who's Goldman Sachs? When you think about Goldman Sachs, what do you think about? High end, high end, crop. high end. Yes. You need ten million to get in. If yeah. you don't have ten million, by the way, they only have four hundred advisors. Mm-hmm. Morgan Merrill have thirteen thousand. They only have four hundred, and they have four hundred to say we don't need thirteen thousand. We only have four hundred because we get the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. Cornell University, Penn, you know Wharton, 
Those are the kind of guys that we get that come to us, okay? Great. But the two guys they recruited, I don't know if you've looked into who these two guys are. The two guys that were recruited, Omar Ishmael, was the head of Goldman Consumer Bank. That's mm-hmm. what you just read, that they say, go. And you hear David Stark, partner at Goldman. David is the right-hand guy to Omar at Goldman Sachs. Omar led the way because Goldman saw what was happening with Robin Hood and mm-hmm. others and Acorn. So they started a branch called Marcus, Marcus Invest. Yeah. Marcus, to get in, you only need $1,000 to go into having an account. Yep. So Goldman Sachs, who has been the cream of the crop, you need $10 million to come in. If you don't have $10 million, we're not even doing anything with you, unless if you're part of the family. They saw the trend, and they said, let's go open up Marcus to allow people to come mm-hmm. in. You answer the questionnaire. Minimum investment you need to make is what? $1,000? Now you got an account awesome with idea. phenomenal idea, right? Yeah. So, okay. Great name, by the way, Marcus. Yeah. By the way, last year, just the Marcus business model generated $1.2 billion in revenues, hmm. $97 billion deposited into Marcus. Wow. Let me say this one more time. Just last year, $1.2 billion in revenues, $97 billion invested into Marcus. Last year alone, 2020, during the pandemic. And this is who Walmart recruited. These are the two guys wow. they recruited. Smart. So they recruited away the guys who led Marcus yeah. to go to Walmart. So now they're going to go to Walmart, bring that experience from Goldman Sachs. Yeah. They recruited the main guys you want to recruit. They're going to more, uh, to uh, Walmart now. 97% of America lives within 10 miles. 200 million people that are visiting Walmart. You got all this business. Now you got a banking, all the locations, traffic's already coming in. You know, then the question becomes who's an ally, who's an enemy, meaning who wants to see this become a reality, Mm -hmm. who doesn't want to see this become a reality. Does B of A want to see this become a reality? Does Chase want to see this become a reality? Do they want to see this become a reality? Who does want to see them become a reality? Does a Robin Hood, does a Goldman, who who Mm -hmm. is it? So I think that's going to be the battle. But Walmart, you know, the, the number one enemy of Walmart is who? Who's the number one enemy? Amazon. Amazon's the number one enemy. Is this also going to be the first mover where Amazon next is going to want to come up with bank? Is this when mm-hmm. all these other guys are going to shoot? You know, we get all this money that's coming in. Maybe we got to play ball. And can Amazon compete at the level Walmart can? This is an area where mm-hmm. Amazon cannot compete with Walmart. This is one area. That Why? Is it because they have actual stores? 97 percent. Yeah. 10 miles. Got it. So mm-hmm. I can say to you, 97 percent of Americans are within 10 miles of my bank called the Bank of Walmart. Mm-hmm. That, yep. That's that's very, very interesting, the angle they took, if mm-hmm. you think about it, because it's what Amazon cannot directly compete with them in. Couple couple thoughts. Um, we, we were joking about the Walmart thing, and we talked about Goldman Sachs and Marcus. If, from an optic standpoint and a branding standpoint and PR standpoint, you can't be Bank of Walmart. You got to come up with you know, a fancier name or a Marcus type of a thing for it to be a little more palatable if you're going to convert people. Like, if you're already banking at Walmart and you're cashing your checks there, you're going to freaking Walmart, whatever. But if they come up with, a you know, an attractive name and it's whatever. Fair enough. You know, people sure. will will be a little more opt to, to go there. That's number one. Number two, uh, you brought up Amazon. You know, if we learned anything from Jack Ma's Ant Group, what, what was the, what's their whole company that they're doing over there? Uh the ant, the, the, ant the ant group and Alibaba, yeah, the whole fintech, like you're banking, you're shopping, you got your ID, you got your driver's license, you got your credit card, you've got every financial service tool, boom, on your phone. Okay? So 
there's a model out there for Amazon to potentially emulate. And obviously Walmart is kind of playing in that in, in that thing. But to Paul's point, does it really matter that you live near your bank? Because banking is online anyways. How often do you go into your bank anyway? So I get it that it's cool to live near a bank, maybe near where you shop. Don't, but don't forget, how often do you, you need to do that? You are rich to middle America, Adam. Don't forget who you are. Mm-hmm. You you may not be selling twenty five million dollar homes, but you're you still made your money. It's not like you're making fifty thousand dollar year. You don't know what it is to be fifty k right now. You don't yeah. know the level of trust. Like you know how I don't know if you guys got family where they say, oh, I don't trust the you know online. I like to go to a physical. Place. There's still people like that yeah, that yeah. want to go okay. to a place, and it's typically folks that make twenty five, thirty five, forty five, fifty five thousand dollars. That's their market. So they're targeting their own. They're not targeting you. They're not yeah. targeting you. They're not targeting, but they are targeting that. So, Pat, uh, yes, I think there's one interesting thing as well that you're not necessarily that you guys haven't brought up at least. Uh, Walmart has 4,700 locations in America. I mean, you overnight, they can have 4,700 locations with a bank. Imagine, you know how Apple also did their card where you get certain cash back, you get certain discounts and stuff like that. Imagine if Walmart does that where you get 2% cash back on on groceries. Imagine the tw- 200 million people that go shopping there I, I th- automatically I agree. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50% overnight can switch over oh, and just have the, an extra card. Well, it's it's the it's the look look at the way they did good for them, man. Good. You know, I'd love to see Walmart and Amazon. Get, you want to see that? I, I just want to see yeah, that. Yeah, I want to yeah, see yeah, if yeah. I want to see a heavyweight matchup because think about Think about when Amazon bought Whole Foods. You're like, what the huge. hell are you thinking? Yeah. And and people are like, wow, you know, it's just not not really a good move. It's just, you know. And it's like, yeah, okay, okay, buddy. So mm-hmm. then Amazon, if you're an Amazon, are you an Amazon Prime member? Yes. Can you please put in your number? Matter of fact, just go to your app and show the thing, QR code, boom. Oh, you just got a $9 discount. Mm. I pay 99 bucks for Prime. and Wow. Okay. So now you're going back to Whole Foods. They charge 20% more than a regular place, but you feel healthier when you buy at Whole Foods. So funny, same thing. You feel healthier Whole when you paycheck. go. Whole paycheck. Guy's a genius, the guy who set it up, by the way. So I don't know. I, I, I kind of think this could be very interesting. And I don't think Amazon could compete directly with these guys. Not in this area. May I make one Please. more point, which is in the past, the American dream was owning a home, right? Now the American dream is being an investor. So even if you look at what happened a few weeks ago with GameStop, a lot of these investors and, and people who are part of Robinhood, they're all they're students. They're you know people who make whatever they make, and they want to feel like they're part of that American dream. Mm-hmm. Which so I think there is this huge transformation and evolution of what it means to be successful in this country. And if you feel like you're part of the whatever it looks like, be it you know, invest investment in stock market and now Walmart. I think this is incredible because like you said, they have a captive audience. They have millions. They probably have details of every single American citizen. Data. Think about the data, data they yeah. got. So the data is that's yeah. that's where the power is. You have captive audience. So how do you just mm-hmm. smartly and strategically incorporate a whole new um segment of, of, of business. I wonder if they sat there and they said, what can we do that Amazon can't do? I wonder if that was the board meeting. Of course it was. What right? can we do? Like, you know, the whole blue ocean strategy concept is you're going to compete with somebody, not directly in an area that they're weak in. I wonder if they sat there 
and the brains in that board was, what's the one thing they cannot do? Banking. Let's go into it. So if Walmart, now you're buying your loan from Walmart. You buy a house, you get your loan, $300,000 loan from Walmart times millions. I mean, that's that can really scale. That can really scale. And, and you know, as far as the name goes, I mean, Walmart's used to have a new name, Sam's Club. You know, they have, you know, they don't, Sam's Club is owned by Walmart. Sam really? Walton, Sam's the founder, yes. Sam's Club, Sam uh, Walton, Sam's Club. Yeah. Okay. So they could come out with a new name. It's not a big deal. You were going to say also something. I also think if you look at it the way Apple has their ecosystem of the apps, the app store, kind of how everything is yeah. kept within it. Imagine how Walmart can do that with, with banking as well. I mean, then you're just controlling uh, I, I am looking a lot of forward it. to this heavyweight. Ooh, this could get so interesting. So interesting. Pat, one thing I've about. definitely realized slash learned about you, you you light up when you think about competition. Oh, yeah. When you think of oh, yeah. Walmart versus Amazon, you like genuinely you're like, oh, yeah, baby, let's get that competition. Are you kidding me? You like love it. Of course I love you it. You want to like compete. The, the night Connor lost to Poitier, oh. I'm like, what? You know, because we You're wanted pissed. to see a Khabib fight. Yeah. Of course you want to see a fight like that. Yeah. But this, you, you realize this is the ultimate heavyweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is trillion-dollar companies going up against each well, other. Well, it's like Facebook and Apple kind of talking smack, getting into it. That's the heavyweight I, I stuff. Don't, I don't think so. I don't what? think so. I don't think so. Because Facebook the, and Apple? No. Okay, okay. Let me. Oh, my gosh, oh my Adam. God. I can't believe you went over there. So, so. Mr. Crowd up. I no, went no. there. I Watch went this there. year. Watch this year. Yes, sir. Okay. What percentage of Facebook's revenue comes from ads? Don't say it. What per- yeah. do you know it already? Well, we talked about Okay, this so what night. is it? It's like 98%. 98%. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. Apple's revenue 98% doesn't come from one product. Correct. So what Amazon and Walmart are playing, they're trying to go dominate other Facebook is not playing that game. Facebook's playing the ad game. Facebook's competition is NBC, CNN, Google. Fox. Data, we, data, it's, though. It's, no, what I'm trying to say, oh, the game they're playing is you're going to come advertise and put your commercials with me. You're going to come spend your ads with me, not with these other schmucks, because people are on this here. Yeah. They're no longer watching. So Facebook's a complete different animal. And by the way, to their, to their, to their strength, they're in a position that they're probably the hardest to directly compete with. Facebook's not easy to directly compete with. Mm-hmm. Who's going to directly compete? Google Plus try to come out with a social media site. So how long did? How many guys actually posted more than five things on Google Plus? Never even heard of it. <laughs> Google Plus came out. It was their Facebook. They got fifty million subscribers month one. They said they're going to blow up. They're going to beat Facebook. I never once posted on anything. When, when did that? When was year? What year was that's that? That's the point. Yeah, I never heard of it. You were in that's a, a, me I, and Facebook Plus. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's a lot. <laughs> I, I know I know uh, Google Plus like Sonata knows Joe Jorgensen. I just I don't. It, okay. Who? What? So 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 that guy. So here's a question for everybody that's watching. If you think, if you think Bank of Walmart will compete, thumbs up. If you think I don't think they're going to compete with Bank of America and all the other guys, thumbs down. I'm curious. We got six thirty six to thirty four. By the way, the last time I asked the yeah. question, can Trump win without? Yeah. Uh, it, it was three to one, which means three people said he still can. One set, he cannot. So it's yeah. interesting to see what the stats well, we, are going to be. Well, we know some of the people in our audience well, we'll are going to agree so, regardless. Okay. So, so are you? bottom line is, are you rooting for Walmart to beat Amazon? I'd say compete. Beat. I, I am rooting for Walmart to make the banking industry uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I am rooting for Walmart to make Amazon uncomfortable. Because you know who wins here? 
The consumer, baby. You the and consumer. I do. That's yeah. why you love capitalism. Yeah. That's why you love capitalism, because it works. It's not about it, you. It's you about the consumer. You win at the end of the day. You, like you win at the end of the day. It's interesting yes. how you light up when you talk about these kind of things. There's something in your bones that this about is in what? your DNA. Capitalism, competition. Well. You know, taking she, over the. Uh, she, here you have a top realtor mm -hmm. who worked for a capitalist, left socialistic slash communistic nation yeah. to mm -hmm. come to U.S. You got a guy like me who lived in Iran. What do you want to call that? It's not socialistic. Dictate, totalitarian. Yeah, fascist. Fascist. What do you want to call it? Women yeah. don't have any freedom. You can't vote. Girls get married at 13 years old. I mean, that's Iran's laws is what you're talking about. Yeah. And then I, we leave. We go to Germany. We come here. And then you can build the kind of life that you got here. Yeah, capitalism works. You work for a capitalist. Mm -hmm. You work for a capitalist. I work for a capitalist. We're all capitalists. Everybody, mm -hmm. every. I, my commission that comes from insurance companies comes from because somebody started a business that's a capitalist. Yep. Capitalism, the only way the socialism argument exists is because of a capitalist. Only way. If there is no capitalism, there is no other arguments. No mm -hmm. other isms if it wasn't because of capitalism. No isms comes first. The first ism that comes is what? Capitalism. No other ism. You need money to be able to spend the money. Mm -hmm. And the capitalists know how to make the money so others can come up with their own individual isms, whatever those isms may be, right? So, yes, I'm a diehard capitalist, and I will keep saying that for the rest of my life. That's awesome. About, and I know if it offends you. I know you get very uh, frustrated when I... The soy boy community, we're going to be all right. Yeah, soy boy community, right. and you get emotional I love about capitalism. That. I, I just do. don't like uh, authoritarianism. No, authoritarianism. I, don't, I, well, I don't like crony capitalism. Oh, yeah, you that's don't what like that I don't either. like. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that part because that's not a great equalizer. Okay. So let's talk about Buffett. Is it okay if we talk about another capitalist? Is it fair to say that Warren Buffett yeah. is one of the greatest capitalists of us of our era? A Democrat. A, a independent. Independent. Read his book. I don't know if you've ever read his book. You ever read his, uh, what is that one book? Uh, uh, Snow, Snow huh? Snowball You ever read it? It's a few thousand pages. It's every week. Every Forget about the yachts in South <laughs> Beach. I'm reading if you Warren Buffett. Uh, I'm reading his annual letters every week. Reading the book. Yeah. It's actually, by the way, it's actually, if you don't read it, mm -hmm. listen to the audiobook. Okay. You, I'm, and I'm recommending this to everybody. Yeah. You will learn so much about how he became who he is today. Personal life, marriage, how he managed it, what happened to his wife at mm -hmm. the end. You know, his parents, the influence of his parents, Republican Party, Democratic Party, how he got involved, all of it. Fascinating. Wow. Anybody could, could you sell that guy a $25 million house? He still lives in his no, same you house no. in Omaha no. that he's lived in for like 50 years. No, he's a different type of a yeah. capitalist where you have to save your money and, and be smart what you do with it. I like that guy. He's kind of yeah. like, like that guy. He's yeah. kind of like you. That's more You know like that he, he eats McDonald's every day? Uh, for breakfast, and if the, if the I market, I think Whole Foods would have been better for him. But that's you know, true. He but he's ninety. He's ninety, and he's doing great. Ninety, great. and he drinks. He says what? He drinks eight to eight Coca Colas yeah. a day. Is what he drinks. I think he's trying to get everybody else to drink eight because, yeah. but he's we a big shareholder of Coca Cola. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Buffett. It's got a few different things that we got to cover. So let's try to get all of this. First one is Warren Buffett says fixed income investors face bleak future. Despite the recent sell-off that sent Treasury yields to their highest point in a year, as high as 1.6, bonds remain unappealing and should be avoided, legendary investor Warren Buffett says. In his annual letter in Berkshire Hathaway shareholders on Saturday, bonds are not the place to be in these days. He added, in certain large and important countries, such as Germany and Japan, investors earn a negative return on trillions of dollars of sovereign debt. Let me read that one more time. 
He said in certain large and important countries such as Germany and Japan, investors earn a negative return on trillions of dollars of debt. Fixed income investors worldwide, whether pension funds, insurance companies or retirees, face a bleak future. Buffett noted that the income available from a 10-year U.S. Treasury bond at the end of 2020 was 0.93% which has fallen 94% from 15.8% in 1980. What's a bad example to use because 1981 is Jimmy Carter, but typically 3 to 5% is what you had. It's still a big drop-off that we've had. So thoughts on what he said about fixed income? I actually agree with, agree with him. He's looking for the highest growth, and that's why he bought back all these Berkshire Hathaway shares, right? I, I think with fixed income, um, it's really good when the returns are great and you feel comfortable and safe when the economy goes down. But it, in time of such extraordinary growth, why would you want to do that? I would agree with that. But I think there's an area that's the concern. I'm curious to know uh, what are your thoughts about uh, Well, about I mean. Bonds? I talk to a lot of millennials about investing, especially yeah. in the stock market. I'm a big fan of investing in the stock market, you know, and diversify and having some crypto in your portfolio. And the conventional wisdom is have your age in stocks and or bonds and kind of have like if you're 30 years old, have 70% stocks, 30% bonds. If you're 80 years old, 80% bonds, 20% stocks. That's sort of the conventional wisdom. But at this point, you know, unless you're 80 and you're not taking on any risk, why would you be an any bonds at this point, I know. like anything. So when you have someone like uh, Warren Buffett even saying like, what the hell are you doing in bonds? Uh, you know, I try to put the people first and, and, and make recommendations to them. You need to be in the stock market. I mean, obviously, if you're in the, in the you're looking for a house and you want to invest, awesome. But you need to be in the equities uh, yeah, stock but he, world. He's, he's talking, but what is his concern about not being in fixed income? Because fixed income's not going away. It's not like it's going to be going away. But here's what you're looking at. Two-year note right now, if you got a two-year treasury. And what is it? 0.135. Yeah, I mean, you're not if making you got any a money. Five-year is 0.728. If you got a 10-year note is 1.44. It's going to take 50 years for your money to double. So I put $100,000 in there. 50 years from now, I'm 92. Yeah. It's going to be $200,000. Well, why way, not just keep it in cash check, at that point? Well, well, What's well, the point? Well, no, it's not even cash. Cash, if you don't know what you're doing, this is still better than if you stay in cash. 100%. Well, better, but not liquid. And you're just, what's the if point? If you don't know what yeah. you're doing, it's still better. But watch the 30-year. Yeah. A 30-year treasury note. 30-year. Yeah. 2.2%. Why? So, so the challenge isn't that... You know, whether you believe it or not, I actually think these things are going to go up in the next few years. I think these numbers are going to go well, up. They can't go down. <laughs> no, I think they could go down. I think they're going to go up the next three to five years because uh, the market is going to take a hit. When it does, bonds are going to come back up. Mm -hmm. But the concern is the following. Okay, so if I put 30-year note at 2.2%, you know, rule of 72, 30, 76, 72 divided by 2 is what? 36. It's 2.2, mm -hmm. 2, so it's 30, 32 years. Gold right now is 1700 bucks. Do you think gold is going to double in the next 30 years? Double? Double in price. 30 years. Yes. Do you think it's going to be $3,500 an ounce 30 years from now? Possibly, yeah. Possibly. Do you think it could, you know, go maybe not double, go to, you know, $7,000 an ounce 30 years from now? 30 years from now. Gold. We don't create more gold. Gold mm -hmm. is gold. Do you think the price... An ounce of gold will be seven thousand dollars 
30 years from now? I don't I mean, I, 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 with a limited supply and, and high demand, then possibly yes. I mean, this is, this is, the, the point I'm trying to make to you is like 2% on a 30-year? Who the hell in their right minds would lock in their money for 30 years right I now know. at 2.2%? Who's doing that? Institutional investors? Institutional like, investors. Wh- pension funds. I mean, why would it yeah, pension yeah. funds, yeah. I mean, but if, take a little risk. I mean, what are you, but, 2% but I, over 30 but, but years? I, te- I don't but understand. I, but I tell you, depending on the age bracket and where you're at with your risk tolerance, say you're yeah. dealing with somebody that's 60 years old, I, I don't even know if a 60, yeah, I, I, I would probably be more focused on having a fixed income fund to put money into because mm-hmm. I actually think it's going to go up in the next few years. I don't think these numbers are going to stay. I don't think Buffett is saying it. Hey, it's a bad time to be in. Of course it's a bad time to be in. But I think he's going to be in three years well, from now. Mm-hmm. It, it depends. Like, I'm not thinking of institutional yeah. investors. I'm just thinking of, you know, I'm a person and I'm looking to invest. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm, uh, you know. So if you're looking to, for growth and you're 30 years old, there's 0% reason you should be in bonds at this point. Like, I can't think of a reason. I mean, maybe there's some out there. If you're conservative, what have you. But if you've made your money, like Susie Orman, who's a pretty famous financial She's saying that she's all in bonds. And they're like, well, why the hell would you be in bonds? She's like, look, I've made my millions. Why do I want to have any risk whatsoever? I'm 70 years old. It, it becomes about wealth preservation. Yeah, just keep, keeping my money. Growth. I'm good. But if you're looking to, like, for me, I'm in, you know, growth strategy. I want, you know, returns and I want my million to go yeah. to five million and yada, yada, yada. Equities, stocks, risk, Bitcoin, commodities, but not bonds. So... Depends where you're at. So the older and more conservative you are, sure, stick to bonds. But if you're looking for growth, no, the, 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 this is not. Well, so let's talk about the buyback. So he's buying back his shares. OK, and he's, he's talking about America is the greatest country in the world. And there's never been a better time to be in America, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts when he is buying back his own shares? And we're not talking about like a little bit, $25 yeah. billion dollars of his own shares they're buying back. Well, you talked about where his mindset was this, he's clearly bullish on his own company and he thinks that the stock is low. How, and do, if you he's as, gonna, how do you as an investor yeah. process when Buffett says, don't, don't worry about buying my share, I'm gonna buy 25 billion of it. Yeah. How do you process him doing that? He believes in his company and he believes in America. And I mean, anytime, here's something I'll say about Buffett. Anytime, not that I'm doubting America, anytime I'm just like, feeling a little uneasy with what's going on in the world. There is something really cool about being reassured by Warren Buffett. Bet on America. Mm-hmm. Don't bet against America. Like, there is something, just that reminder is pretty cool. You know, you yep. being from Bosnia, hearing things like that, like, what? how does that make you feel when you hear Buffett just being like, well, America, he's, baby. he's the preeminent thought leader, as it relates to investments and finances and knowing yes he made his money here right Mm -hmm. but he is just so wise and you know 90 at 90 years of age he's seen it all pretty Mm much um i i'm the same way like i want to know what his thoughts are and what he's doing to gauge and look at the crystal ball because we don't have one where mm-hmm. this market is going to lead us to because it's it's even though it's so good and so hot right now it's like you wonder what's going to happen in five years so looking at what he's doing i i'm also a big believer in in sort of if you believe in your company buy back your shares you know where your money is going um you're not going to just 
put it into treasury bonds. Um, but I believe in America, I believe in American business and innovation, which is something, you know, however much you want to look at um, investments in, in Europe and Asia, and there's some amazing companies there. When you look at American innovation and technology, which is where all of the new growth is coming from, where that's why Walmart is looking at fintech. You know, you're looking at um, mostly American companies. You know, the, the the one question I have is the following: Has uh, Buffett lost his ways? Okay, and I know it's a listen. You know, to say something like that, it's a pretty bold statement to go up against a guy that's worth nearly a billion dollars to say. Kai, do you have an email? Uh, are you checking eighty your email billion or no? Eighty billion. I mean, eighty billion is eighty billion. But but I'm going to show you data here for you to mm-hmm. look at that. Uh, 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 so it's it's comparing how Berkshire Hathaway is done versus S and P 500. I don't know if you guys seen these numbers or Have not. Have you seen what he said also regarding kind of how they're growing so big at a certain point that it's harder to pick investments because you got to pick winning stocks essentially. Yeah, I'll but you got to see how he does against S and P. If there's one person he cannot lose to is S and P 500. Yeah. That is not good in his world. Like. Mm-hmm. You can lose to Ray Dalio. You can lose to anybody else. You cannot lose to S&P 500. Well, he's such a big proponent of well, just well, index investing no, just, in the S&P. Just look at the link I sent you. That's right. That, that's the one as well. That's the one. It's January. Yeah, that's a good one to go to. So go up right there. Okay, can you make that a little bit bigger? Yeah, make that a little bit more bigger. Okay, so check this out. 2020. Okay, so the light blue is S&P 500. The dark blue is Berkshire Hathaway, right? Kai, stop. Look at 2020, Okay. S&P 500 did 20%. He did 4%. Mm-hmm. Look at 2019. S&P 500 did 35%. He did 10%. Look at 2018. S&P 500 lost, say, 5%. He made 3%, fixed mm-hmm. income. 2017, even match. 2016, he wins. Look at 2015. He lost 15%. S&P 500 made 2%. 2014, he wins double. 13, tie game. 12, tie game. 11, he loses. 2010, he wins. 2009, he got crushed, right? 2008, about the same. 2007, if you look at seven, six, he destroys them, right? But go to 2000. Look how he did in 2000. Crushed S&P 500. Look at 1999. He lost, right? Because that's the dot-com era, et cetera. So, you know, you know the, the, the era of... Berkshire Hathaway, the one thing the market is questioning is the following. Look when he sold his 10, 11% he had in those four airlines. Remember when he sold, like, he owned 10% in United, 10% in uh, American, 10% in all these guys. He sold them right at the beginning of the pandemic. Bad time to sell it because it went 10x. It went 10x six months later. So that cost them some money here. So my biggest concern is the following. When you think about uh, Elon Musk and Tesla, would you you think Tesla's going to sell if Elon Musk is no longer with us? If they keep creating their products, you think it's going to sell? I think it is because I think it's a good car. I think it's a very very good product that they're producing. Is iPhone selling after Steve Jobs? Why? Because it's a good what? Good product. Mac. Mm-hmm. It's a good product. They produce good product. Berkshire Hathaway's philosophy and intuition. Can you duplicate intuition? Can you duplicate intuition? Like. Does Trump's kids have the intuition of the father? You know, does can Obama teach intuition to his kids? Can Elon Musk teach intuition to his four or five kids? You cannot teach intuition. Mm-mm. So Berkshire Hathaway is an interesting place right now because 
90 years old. Listen, I mean, people are sitting there saying, we love this guy, but you're 90 years old. Charlie Munger is a little older as well. They did the yeah. shareholder meeting in L.A. for a reason. Typically, they do it in Omaha, but they did it in L.A. because of Charlie Munger. So they didn't do the meeting in the typical place that they do it for decades, right? Why, because you couldn't travel or what? Well, I mean, it's just, you know, concerns, COVID, safer, yeah. much better if we do it here. 95 years old. Yeah, I mean, you understand yeah. it, right? So, but the bigger question to ask is, are they going to be able to continuously beat S&P 500? It's not been a last few-year run. I mean, he had a good run in 2000s or 1990s or 80s. But there's a difference between 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And today, by the way, he's the biggest shareholder of Apple. These are the mm -hmm. companies they own today. Uh, American Express, biggest shareholder. Apple, B of A, Charter Communication, Coca-Cola, Chevron, GM, Merck, Moody's, U.S. Bank Corp, Verizon, you know, you and he's very careful with technology. He barely got into Apple like he was, you know, always negative about what technology is going to do. Not bullish on Bitcoin. Yeah, like for example, I'll give you an idea. Like right now, baseball cards. Okay, I don't know if you guys have been following any of the baseball cards. If you want to put it up, crazy story on what happened. You heard when I sold my Gretzky for 1.3 million, two of them for two million bucks. They're like, oh my gosh, sold two cards for two million dollars. Okay, on Luka Doncic's birthday, go to the other one I sent you. Luka Doncic, he's 22 years old. Crazy. His rookie card just sold for $4.6 million. Wow. It's the second most expensive card ever sold. He's never won a championship. He's never won an MVP. He's 22 years old. He even said himself in an interview, I, I'd like to own some of my own cards because wow. millions are being made. He doesn't make money on these cards. He just got a contract. Pay me some of these millions of dollars, right? Go lower to show the card what it looks like. Do you have the picture of the card? If you go up, it's uh, okay. They don't have it here. Go to the other one. Go to... No, the other one I sent you. This guy right here, he bought Mickey Mantle's PSA 10 card for $5.2 million. Look at the top. $5.2 million. The guy's holding the card right there. Wow. Who is this million. guy? How's he have five million bucks? I mean, he paid $5.2 million for this card. <laughs> we need to sell him a luxury so, uh, house so, ASAP. Know, right? So watch what happened here. Watch what happened here. Go to NBA Top Shot. Okay. I don't know if you guys have been following this or not. Okay. So <laughs> look at the reaction of everybody. Okay, people have spent more than $230 million buying and trading digital collectibles on NBA highlights. A recent highlight, okay, go on YouTube to show one of the highlights. It's a video you buy for $300,000. Okay, like, yes, exactly. Let me just but show it's a card? you. Type in NBA highlights, uh, NFT, uh, 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 put LeBron. Just put L-E-B-R-O-N, yeah, LeBron. Let's see if it shows. Uh, one of them just sold for 300. Okay, say the same thing you typed and put it in Google. Same thing you typed and put it in Google. Okay, and I'm going to get to my Buffett points here because it has to do 230,000. No, there's one that just sold for, oh, right there. Click on the second one. LeBron James highlight video just sold for $270,000. Guys, it's a six-second video. Go down. It's a six-second video. Okay, if they have the video to show, go a little lower. Let's see if they got it. You guys got to see this here. Go lower. Okay, they don't have it. Anyways, it's a six-second video of him, uh, Duncan. You buy it. You own the crypto highlight for $230,000. $230 million has already been put into this. This is brand spanking new that just got started. So it's not cryptocurrency. It's crypto collectible cards and videos. Mm -hmm. Okay? So now watch this. I'm being interviewed. Guys ask me a question because, you know, it's a collectible car, genius guy. And this last week I spoke to guys that run uh, the biggest auction and a new thing called Rally, 
put Rally RD. I think it's a Rally RD. You can officially buy stocks of cards. Go to Rally RD. I think this is the one. You buy stocks of cards. I like this. They bought my Wayne Gretzky card. They bought it for $720,000, one of them. They have it on there right now for $800,000. You can buy a share for 12 bucks. Love it. Oh, my God. Love it. Genius idea. Yes. Okay. And by the way, they don't just do it with cards. They do it with paintings. They do it with artwork. They do it. Rally. He's going to come in down next month. We'll have a conversation awesome. with him. Rally. Great idea. Genius idea. Rally is a platform for buying and selling equity shares in collectibles. Collectibles. Assets. Wow. Any kind of collectibles. Artwork, painting, awesome statue. Idea. Genius idea. If you're like, look, I'm not trying to drop 200 grand on a baseball card. Sure. Cool. Put but in I'll 10 buy. grand and I'll you get a portion of a exactly. Zion Williams. Exactly. That's exactly wow. what it is. So it's now you're democratizing um, things that only the super rich used to have access yeah. to. Exactly. Right? Artwork. Like, you get a I own two percent of a Picasso. What you, <laughs> what you just said is exactly how they sell it. What you just said is exactly how yeah. they sell it, right? So now, what does this have to do with Buffett? Here's what it has to do with mm -hmm. Buffett. The guy asked me a question, he says, so what do you think is going to go up and what do you think is going to go down? You think the physical cards are going to be bigger or you think these crypto NFT type of stuff is going to be bigger? I said, the benefit I have is I'm 42 years old, mm -hmm. is I'm young enough to remember, I'm old enough to know the value of cards when it was 30 years ago when we collected them yeah. and it's emotional to me. But I'm young enough to be logical to know this crypto stuff that you're seeing that's ridiculous to Warren Buffett, it's going to take off. This is going to take off. Yeah, so yeah. the challenge with Buffett is, is there an age where you hit where some of the philosophies and the risks that you took, you no longer will take to outgrow S&P 500? I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's the challenge. Because remember, you're not buying a physical product. You're buying the man's mind. And he's 90 and the other one is 95. Mm -hmm. So is Berkshire Hathaway going to continue growing after Buffett? What do you think? I think they clearly have to have an exit strategy or a uh, succession plan in place. It's not like, God forbid, Warren Buffett dies this week. They're like, what do we do now? Oh, my God. They're like, our leaders are in their 90s. They're like the the, the two guys in like the Muppet, the Muppet up in the crowd, like the old guys. Yeah, like they have a succession plan in place, clearly. Like we're not, I wouldn't overthink this. I would. I would assume that they have. A plan in place, and they understand that they need to... Do you know my question, though? My question is, can you teach intuition? No. I mean, you give the example of, like, Tony Robbins' son is trying to go out there and give speeches, and you're just like, oh, sorry, buddy. Like, you know, you, Michael you, Jordan's you don't son tried it. playing exactly. basketball. Like, I don't think Don Jr. has what Trump has. You know, maybe a little bit. Eric certainly doesn't. Uh, you know, Ivanka, maybe a little bit. Uh, Tiffany, no. Um... Wait, we'll see what Baron stock is at. But the point is, you can't teach intuition. You can't teach what you're talking about. So, um, but Berkshire what do you Hathaway, think? What do you I, think is I, I think I think there is a philosophy, right? And you either have intuition, charisma, your own set of beliefs and values and experiences, and people follow you for whatever reason they want to follow you, right? But uh, with the succession plan, if uh, philosophy of a company worked out for decades based on Warren Buffett's values and beliefs of investing, then you have to find someone who has a similar philosophy but also dares to look at new ways of, of for growth opportunities, mm -hmm. such as Walmart looking into FinCEN. And I just, 
I think it's extraordinary what you just said in that you have to be old enough to be wise and experienced, but you have to be young enough to know that mm -hmm. things are changing. I mean, just look at the, after the advent of Google, the whole world has changed, right, since 2002 or three. This is why they're saying that Chamath, Palapitiya, is sort of the new school Warren Buffett. You heard this analogy? Mm -mm. People have been making this analogy a lot. Do you know who this is, Chamath? No. He's a, he's a, Pull he's him up. A, just maybe she's recognized he's a, he's a, he's a very successful. He's a, a, a part small owner of uh, uh, Golden State Warriors. Mm -hmm. He was like an early investor in Facebook, Facebook, I believe, and he's a, he's a billionaire. He's an, and and an remember absolute, that face. We're gonna sell him a twenty five million dollar house. I get a ten percent <laughs> yeah. referral. No, I think fee. with him we can sell him a forty million dollar. No, house. you could actually. That's not a problem. And he would actually do. What's it. What's his net worth? Probably he's a, a, he's bill a bill or and two? a half. I think he's a he's a bill or two billion dollar guy. Is he two? He's a billionaire guy. What does your yeah. net worth need to be, Sonata, to buy a twenty million dollar house? You need to be worth hundred million, two hundred million. I five, like for a twenty million dollar house. Yeah, and in, in the 10 so if someone's range. looking at a twenty million dollar house, mm -hmm. like you know, all right, this person's worth you know. Yeah, you have to be worth at least I would say two hundred. 10x. Million, unless 10x um, exactly ten x. Unless okay. unless you decide to. Um, have not just mortgage, but like some people use asset-based mm -hmm. loans to, to gotcha. finance if they feel very strongly the, the value of the house is going to, if they consider it as an investment yeah. rather than just a place to so live. So if you're looking at a million dollar house, do you have to have a net worth of a hundred thousand? Is the same rules? You need to have less? A more, little what? bit different rules. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, because I will say huge majority, I was going to say 99% of, of people looking at ultra luxury real estate mm -hmm. are all paying cash. Cash, so, twenty five million plus. Cash is king, Boom. and yeah, but for people who are looking at a million dollar property, most of them are actually looking to finance. So that's yeah. why it's so different. You only need twenty percent to put down, hmm. rather than, you know, being ten x. Okay. So, so are you optimistic long term, Berkshire Hathaway, or no? Are I'm not betting. Against, I'm not betting against Warren Buffett. No, no. no. But, but, but wait a minute. I didn't say Warren. You see Buffett, how I got all. You see how I got I, diplomatic. I there? know you did. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You're. You're. I believe that he has uh, imparted enough wisdom and knowledge right. and principles on the people that'll be taking over. Because I, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but we talked about who the next man up was. But I believe that they are, like you said, old enough to understand the past, but young enough to to move with the times. What do you think, Sonata? Long-term Berkshire. Are you long Berkshire Hathaway or short? I, oh, that's a tough one, particularly knowing what we just discussed. I'm long-term because of the sheer size and um, ability to, to move through whatever the market's going to bring. And just I'm look at the companies. that If you're the biggest uh, investor in Apple, I'm riding with you. Straight up, Coca-Cola. No, and, and and the thing is, obviously, I think it's going to take a hit once one or both of them passes away, just emotionally, because people are going to be like, "All right, I'm out." Uh, however, he has said multiple times he the, the companies that have been chosen in the past are such value companies that he's said like essentially a ham sandwich can run them because they're so staple com companies that don't require a lot, and if those are the ones they own, then mm -hmm. I think. Those will stay valuable uh, long term, but however, the question is, will they able be able to pick new companies like that? That's where the issue is going to be. Well, that's 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 the processor of somebody. So I you, you look how many things you're seeing right now with a math makes zero sense. Like the typical formula of that was used 20, 30 years ago doesn't apply today. But he was the same way during the stock boom. 
What do you mean? The dot, no, the dot com bubble. Like well, he he's pulled out of the of the market because he says the market doesn't make sense. Well, why don't you go go to gamble. Berkshire Hathaway stock? Go to Berkshire Hathaway stock history of it. Let's take a look at that Berkshire Hathaway stock history. It still looks very good. I think it's at 377000 oh right God. now <laughs> per share. Look at that. It's gone up. Will it continue going up post Buffett? That's the question that. If you want to buy one share right now, you're spending three seventy-seven. Wow. To buy one share, A share. B share is like three hundred bucks. But if you want to buy an A share right now, three hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars a share. And one for share. one share is three hundred seventy-seven. You gotta love that though. Hey, we're not doing splits. We're not doing anything. You want to share? Spend that three seventy-seven. And people where is that do. On, where is that on the most expensive stocks? Is the preeminent number one? Yeah, yeah, it's the most expensive yeah, stock. They've never done a split. They've never done they anything tell like you, that. They tell you, you want it, spend that 377 And then you'll wow. be invited to the shareholder meeting that they're having. Uh-huh. Can you imagine? But everybody that goes there owns at least one share. But here, back to your point with that rally, if you want to own a percentage of a stock, and you know, there's companies out there like Stockpile and things like that where you can uh, you know, have... Um, one guy gave Buffett ten thousand dollars back in nineteen seventy four. This Crazy, guy was a small. Yeah. You know the story. We talked yeah, about it. it. That hunt, that ten thousand dollars he left it, never touched it. Is worth seven eighty today. Wow. Never touched the money. You got to so you're you're banking on a guy. You bet on a guy. But anyways, let's wrap up with the story of Zlatan. Okay, let's talk about <laughs> our favorite guy here, Zlatan. LeBron James responds to Zlatan, and he says, "There is no because Zlatan initially told him, do we have here what he says or no.'" Uh, let me see what you have. Okay, so you don't have what he said. Why don't you pull up on Twitter what Zlatan said, and I'm going to uh, put up exactly what the response is. So, Kai, just pull up the Twitter. Zlatan's tweet about uh, LeBron. LeBron. There you go. I think it was an interview in um, LA Times, I think. Mm, you're right, I think. Yeah, you are right. It's and just a. Why don't you set the stage for those that don't know who Zlatan is? Because so there let, might let be me, some people okay. that are not familiar Let's with Let's just read this. So, Zlatan, who is a superstar soccer player, okay? I mean, Top absolute, 10 in the world right now? I don't know if he's top 10. He is probably yes. one of the most, you know, maybe not today, at his prime, because right now he's in his late 30s. But okay, at gotcha. his prime, this guy was a ridiculous talent coming in. Everybody's yeah. six five. Powerful, Beast. gets you know, in your face. He's Bosnian Croatian, yeah. Okay. Physical. If you've ever seen his highlights, just type in Z- on Google Zlatan fights on Google. Ibrahimovic. He is yeah. a beast of a guy, right? So he goes out there and he's a guy that's known for saying what's on his mind. He says, LeBron James is a phenomenal at what he's doing, but I don't like it when people with some kind of status and they do politics at the same time as what they're doing. I mean, do what you're good at. So Zlatan calls out. Uh, 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 LeBron James. So now LeBron James has to respond back, and this is what LeBron James says. He says, there's no way I will ever just stick to sports. Um, uh, there's no way I will just stick to sports. What are you going to go? He's, uh, I would never shut up about things that's wrong. I preach about my people, and I preach about equality, social justice, racism, systemic voter suppression, things that go in our community because I was part of my community at one point and seeing the things that was going on and I know what's going on still because I have a group of 300-plus kids at my school that's going through the same thing, and they need a voice. And I'm, I, uh, and I'm their voice. I'm their voice, and I use my platform to continue to shed light on everything that may be going on, not only in my community, but around this country and around the world. There's no way I would just ever stick to sports because I understand how this platform works, how powerful my voice is. 
thoughts? Okay, well, I come from the same background that Zlatan does, and I'm a huge fan, as you can imagine. He's extraordinary as it relates to soccer. Um, but I'm totally annoyed at him um, because he has a huge platform and he does use his voice to speak up against racism. And he, Zlatan himself has experienced tremendous amounts of hatred because of his ethnic background and has experienced racism playing in Europe. So I think as such high-profile global stars in two respective fields, I think it's incredible to use your voice to speak out and speak up about what things that are really, really important to you because you have all these people across the world listening to you. Um, and I feel he just kind of played into this um, super conservative, in my mind, racist ploy of, you know, stay in your lane, don't, you know, just shut up and dribble, which I think is awful. Um, he, I know from what I read, he admires LeBron, loves LeBron, um, but I don't think he should have phrased it the way he did in that. Um, but I also understand, coming from where we come from, particularly in former Yugoslavia, when you talk about politics, you put yourself in a really uncomfortable situation. You just were taught from early age. Never talk about Don't it. Don't talk about politics. Out. Keep your mouth shut because you're going to get in trouble one way or another. It's almost like you, have, you have associate fear with talking about politics. And so he's experienced so much hatred, Zlatan has, playing in different fields. Even like recently he was playing in Belgrade and... Uh, there was a huge racist rant. They had to apologize to him, and he was very stoic. He just didn't say anything and kind of, like, sucked it up. So if he— You so think he should respond back? Absolutely. So when if you have such a huge platform and if you believe in social equality and justice and, and people being at least— but kind. what should he say? What should he's like if, if he's a player and people scream stuff at him, what should he say? I don't think he should necessarily respond to a particular person mm -hmm. who's being ignorant or hateful or racist mm -hmm. or whatever. But I think he should use Twitter. You talked about technology. Mm -hmm. Use your voice to say that's not cool. This is this is what I've experienced. And did we you, see did you see what happened to this basketball player, Jeremy Lin, in the G League uh, last week? Did they you hear about it? calling him Asian names or calling him coronavirus. So, so there's, two, there's two school of thought here, and, it's, and I, I think at this point it's just philosophical. So to, to, to Jeremy Lin, he's playing basketball. One of the opponents calls him coronavirus because he's from China. He says, hey, coronavirus, hey, coronavirus. So he says, I'm experiencing, you know, racial slur comments. You know, people are kind of saying coronavirus. So they said... Who said it? He said, I'm not going to go out there and tell anybody on who said it because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I just want to bring awareness to say it's not appropriate and I hear it, but it needs to stop. But I'm not going to call anybody out. I thought his approach was actually very respectful. He took the high road. I like the way he yeah, did I it. I like the way that he uh, uh, took that. And by the way, earlier this year, something happened with LeBron at a game, at an Atlanta game. I don't know which game it was, Paul, when one of the fans – started shouting at LeBron, the husband and him went at it, and then they got kicked out. 
And then they asked LeBron afterwards, so LeBron, what do you think about what happened right now? He says, well, listen, I'm just glad the fact that fans are back because that's fans. They mm -hmm. scream, we go at it, we go back and forth. That is normal. That's going to be taking place. So, you know, uh, I, I, you know, sometimes I wonder if some of these athletes, like Zlatan, he's like, I just don't even want to get into the political world just to get into the world. Yet he has such a big platform to use it. Is it right to use it? Or is it better to take the Michael Jordan approach and say, look, man, I'm just not getting into politics? That's exactly where I was going with this, is that, you know, Michael Jordan set a precedent for himself and athletes that he was going to be apolitical. Even in North Carolina when, I don't know if it was Jesse Helms or whoever the hell it was in North Carolina, was a blatant racist running against a black politician. And people, even his, I think his mom and people in his corner are like, you got to speak up about this, like, these are your people. Like, what's up? And he's like, you know what? Famous, famous quote, Republicans buy sneakers too. And he just, and he's been for a long time apolitical. I think even during the BLM and, and Blue Lives Matter movement, he donated, you know, an equal amount of money to both sides, right? LeBron James, different character. LBJ, DGA fee. LeBron James don't give a F, you know? So he has a voice. He's going to use it. He's not going to just shut up and dribble. Uh, Laura Ingraham, you know, called him out a few years ago, and he's like, nah. But, but, but I thought that was also a dumb comment she made. What do you mean, just shut yeah. up and dribble? I know, that was I mean, what are you Dis talking disrespectful. About? So racist. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's not about just shut up and dribble. I just, I think, like, you know, I think it's just a different level of risk. I like Jordan's approach. I like Jordan's approach of mm -hmm. like what he took. And I do think you talk about your own. But I also think there's an element of LeBron also been divisive. Well, I think I think you're also dividing America. You, you said you've been polarized by LeBron. You've been I, vocal that I, you're not a fan. I don't. Of his... I don't think he's a uniter. Yeah. I mean, all this stuff about unite, unite, unite. LeBron definitely is not. But in what's the... different about what he's doing than what Trump's doing? I, I didn't dividing. Say, did I say Trump's a uniter? No, no. Not did at you all. did you hear me at all? Category? Not at all. I think LeBron and Trump are very similar. Mm -hmm. I think LeBron They're playing and to their base. I think LeBron and Trump are very similar. Very mm -hmm. similar. The only difference is Trump converts. LeBron doesn't. LeBron just gets his own audience, but he doesn't convert. Trump used to convert. Trump is a converter. He's no longer a converter. Because he doesn't have a platform. If he did, he would continue. Well, he lost his platform. That's the point. Yeah. yeah. But what I'm trying to tell you is LeBron and Trump, believe it or not, mm -hmm. are very, very similar. Very similar. Well, the, Jordan is in a league of his own. In the way he handled media, in the way he did everything. Jordan, Reagan... You know, those guys you put in a similar league of their own, John F. Kennedy, these are in the league of their own, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, Reagan won 49 out of 50 states, and even Democrats like the guy. Okay, John F. Kennedy, even Republicans like them. Mm -hmm. Jordan, even Republicans like him. You know, even when uh, Jordan and Barkley were once on an Oprah Winfrey show, you know, and they were teasing each other, and Barkley, you know, actually, there was an, uh, they were at the Olympics and something, they were playing. He says, hey, uh, uh, Jordan, Mike, why don't you tell everybody, who'd you vote for? For president, none of your business. Yeah, I know you voted Republican. So there is mm -hmm. that uh, uh, that joke that Barkley would have with him. So, but I like the way Jordan did it, uh, and quite frankly, I you know Zlatan is probably sitting there for, for Zlatan to do this. And you go back to his history, yeah. And he made some comments years ago himself that he used uh, used his own platform. He made some comments saying there were some comments made about me. So he has done it before. So there's a little bit of uh, hypocrisy on Zlatan's position as well because he's <laughs> Zlatan's like a Trump for you to say don't use your platform to say anything. You can say yeah. I disagree with LeBron, but you can't mm -hmm. say don't use your platform. The guy's going to use his platform. 
So LeBron can say whatever he wants to say. If he agrees, disagrees, he's earned the right to say whatever he wants to say. Yeah. There's shots that comes with it, but he can say whatever he wants to say. I think Zlatan's one of those guys that he's so witty, he's so smart, he's so good with the media that he would actually make a decent politician later on. He would be entertaining. <laughs> I'm being serious. And and by the way, I think he likes controversy as well. So he knows oh, yeah. that everyone's going to be talking about Zlatan if if you know he goes against. Oh, do you LeBron. think there was a little bit more behind this when he said this comment? He knew that it would get picked up. LeBron would exchange. Now we're talking about it on the Absolutely. podcast. Absolutely. Now now okay. he's it's guess who's trending He's right now stirring the pot Zlatan. it's stirring, stirring the, pot. the pot fyi zlatan played for what team in the soccer ac what? milan yeah and then where did he play in u.s okay who else was in la at the time david Beckham. lebron james so la you know there's some stuff you know the, these guys are competitive guys you know when when zlatan came to if you ever watch him play when he went and played for galaxy let me tell you people lost their minds when this guy played i want to watch this guy i was on the grass Watching Zlatan play, it's ridiculous watching this guy play live. I mean, Make I've an seen, analogy, would you? Like, is he, he the, he's the Charles Le Barkley no, he's of not. soccer? Who is he's he? He's the LeBron James of soccer with Absolutely. his body because soccer players are tiny. But he's not. LeBron James is like the greatest of all time. Like, Stop it. Stop. Like Ronaldo Finish would be a LeBron. Please get this Ronaldo guy out of here. Or not, Ronaldo get would him be. Get out of this building hey, right hey, now. Hey, hey, hey. LeBron James LeBron, the greatest uh, of all time. <laughs> Jordan's the greatest not, of all time. Jordan okay, would be like good. a Pele. That's what I mean. Yeah. Jordan would be like a Pele. No, what I'm saying to um, you is, let me make the Ronaldo analogy. Ronaldo would be LBJ. Let me make the analogy okay. that's a little better for yes, you. Yes, please. Is LeBron the greatest human specimen ever in the game of basketball outside of Shaq? Physically. Physically. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what you're saying that's, physically. Oh, he's a I'm human. Saying, I'm saying iconically or legendarily. Game-wise. Who is he? Game, like, he's, Shaq. He, he's, he's Shaq. Okay. He's the Shaq of soccer. Oh, wow. That's the best way to put it. He's the Shaq of okay. soccer. Let me tell you, he pushed people around, he elbowed you in the face, he slapped you in the face, he punched you, he yeah. did everything. Everything you're not supposed to do. Better than Zidane? Oh, league of his own. Yeah? The, the guy was a Taekwondo black belt yeah. who played soccer. Oh, damn. So he's known, you know, he's around. a fighter, and he's a, you know, he's a survivor. He's aggressive. He's very, very aggressive. So you know, Go, go type in Zlatan kicks on YouTube, see how he kicks. <laughs> he would destroy a person if he kicked them. I, I love watching him, too, I by the way. Well. It's just, yeah. it's it's a persona. It's, have you seen his documentary? Have, I have not seen it Okay, yet. so the documentary is a good one because they record him when he's 17 years old, and he's going with his manager to go negotiate the big contract. He's about to get a massive contract, and his uh, uh, his manager is getting nervous. And Zlatan, 16, 17 years old, says, get your act together. You're acting like you're scared, okay? Act like you belong here. Tells the 50-year-old <laughs> manager. Absolutely. He tells his 50-year-old manager, act like you belong here. Why do you look so nervous? Act like you've been here 16, before, 16, 17-year-old he, kid telling that to you. He speaks of himself in third person. Yes, he does. So Zlatan thinks this. Awesome. Yeah. You got to love the guy. Anyway. There you go. So uh, uh, if you enjoyed today's podcast and having Sonata on and Adam on, smash that subscribe button. Sonata, it's Yay. been great having Thank you, you on. Thank awesome you time, Sonata. Thank so you much for, for coming knowledge. and spending time with us. Uh, I believe we are doing it again this Thursday. We are trying to get on a routine to be doing it on a weekly basis. Uh, so, again, this Thursday, 8 a.m., same time, we'll be back at it again with the podcast. Who's with us this Thursday? Do Danielle. We know? Daniel DeMartino Booth. Yeah. Daniel DeMartino Booth will be here this week with us on Thursday. Take care, everybody. We got the best in real estate. We got the best in economics coming be in. We got the best. Same week. Thank you so Same much. Same week. Sonata, it was a pleasure. we will do it again. Thank you so much for coming out. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.